Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living by the Law, the podcast discussing fictional worlds and how wondrous and ridiculous they are. My name is Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jude and Guy. Living by the Law is not currently sponsored. If you wish to sponsor us, send us a one-page essay on your favorite fictional empire. Bellow your sponsored offer to the gods in glory as we declare you winner. We will hear you. We always do. This time on Living by the Law, we take a look into the dystopian future that is Warhammer 40,000 and the grim dark Imperium of Man. This episode may contain spoilers for various books in the Warhammer 40,000 franchise. Seriously, there's too many. Fun fact about the uh, the Pokemon anime. I know no fun facts. <laughs> I know no facts about the Pokemon anime. You want to hear about entropy? No, there's there's no there's no fun facts about there's the Pokemon. There's plenty anime. of fun facts about the Pokemon anime, including the fact that uh, uh-huh. Brock uses his frying pan as a drying pan. Is one of my yeah. Why the fuck wouldn't it be about Brock? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a fun line. But what's that? What, what's that? What's that? Qu- that James quote? Um, Let's beat these women back into the Middle Ages. No, no, no. What? what? It's, it's, Let's let's, really let's beat sh- these let's beat these women back to the dark ages where they belong. That is the quote from the yeah. <laughs> Pokemon out of context is so oh, yeah. bad. Oh yeah. Honestly, in context, he's saying the exact same thing as you think. It's just very funny at the time when they use that line. It's just it's funny because James is like the most like be- James is one of the best characters. James like does drag. James accepts his. It's so so he's such a um, male role model too. I love him. Do you know, do you know Mouth that got... he just whips that out of nowhere? <laughs> anyway, it is very good. nice. Do you know Meowth got cucked? Yes, yes. He learned he learned English, so he he could... learned English, and then and the female uh, Meowth he was trying to <laughs> impress was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then didn't talk to him. So now he just That's knows English, and he's smarter than all of his peers, and so he's abandoned by them. Honestly, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite Pokemon moves is when. Um, Snorlax here uses body slam. Sorry, uses hyper beam on the ground to make himself go very far into the air, and then he just flattens the enemy Pokemon. <laughs> they just die. Basically NASA. Basically NASA. He meteor strikes mm-hmm. them. Anyway, the fun fact he is, is still better than space X. What's space, space X? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that where he got the X from? Oh. No, he's been obsessed with things. X for so long. It don't that's not Don't worry happen. about it. Don't make this the topic. <laughs> What's the fun fact, Matthew? The fun fact is you guys know how in the uh the, the, the anime how uh the first episode, Ash in his sleep hits his alarm clocks and it falls off and shatters, and so he runs, he's late, and he misses the, the Pokemon starter. So all the starters that you get in the original game. So Bulbasaur, mm. Charmander, and Squirtle, they're all taken, right? You, you guys watched the first episode mm-hmm. of Pokemon Anime, right? No, but, like, I know all yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he goes, well, there is one Pokemon, but he's a bit temperamental. And he gets, some, he gets Pikachu, right? And that's all he ends mm. up with Pikachu, okay. and they have to win each other's trust, you know? Anyway, <laughs> there's Pikachu a theory the that all along, uh, Oak was going to give him Pikachu anyway. Because oh, I think I know this. I think I know this one actually. Because yeah. there's a movie called Pokemon Forever, which in which uh, the team yeah. travels yeah. back in time to a and a they meet a, uh, a, a little kid called Sam, and they with they they use they they help they help Sam they help Sam save Celebi, and then they eventually Celebi bring, lets them go back into the future. 
Selby has time traveling powers. It's one of Selby's main, of main abilities. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, but, and they also have a very powerful Pokeball that never comes back ever again, even though it's in the past. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't okay, worry. Don't worry. Don't what worry. about Sam? I need to know about Sam. Sam, who meets Ash and becomes friends with him, ends up to grow up to be Samuel Oak, Professor Oak. So, Samuel met Ash... And when he was growing up, he clearly was like, that's fucking Ash. That's the guy I fucking met. I need to give him Pikachu. So all the events happened the exact same way and Celebi is saved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The context on that must be like so frightening. Like you're living your normal life. You've seen this like time traveler come out as a kid and you're like, holy shit. What the fuck? Anyway, that's dealt with. You're now 40 years older. You're a respected professor. And then the same fucking guy comes back <laughs> and he doesn't have his Pikachu. You're like... Uh, no, no, no. I uh, he's slowly growing up. He's like, oh no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He kind of looks like him, but not really. Oh no, he's getting closer. Oh no. Oh fuck, it's him. <laughs> oh fuck, it's me. Shit, shit, it's my shit. Pikachu. <laughs> uh, also, Gary Oak's my favorite. Gary, Gary, he's a man. If he can't beat him, no one can. Gary. I don't like. I don't like Oak. He makes me stop. Get off my bicycle. I don't like it. <laughs> he does. He does. I mean, he, as you said, you, you can't. You can't ride. You can't ride here. Uh, excuse you, counterpoint, in the wise words of Weird Al Yankovic, I want to ride my bicycle. <laughs> Is that Weird Al y- No, Jude's cringing. What did I... I got the musician wrong. Who? I want to ride my bicycle. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> We're gonna... What? He's not comfortable with this joke. He's cringing and dying. What? We're gonna move on. <laughs> you can just tell anyway. me who it was. <laughs> it's a queen song. That's yeah, close enough. It's a... Queen, uh, Queen, um, Weird Al Gitch, same thing, you know, same person. Yeah. But if you get one fucking Pokemon wrong, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> okay, that's fucking it. That's it. Today's episode. <laughs> I was gonna surprise you guys. I'd done some research. I was gonna do an episode on the lore of the Barbie world. Oh yeah. What? Oh come on. That was my plan. But fuck you guys. I'm gonna make you listen to Warhammer Forty Thousand now. No. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck. <laughs> And I'm going to quickly get up the driest, most bland part of Warhammer 40k I can. Um, hey, why do you do this to us, dude? I'm kind of interested, because the Barbie Perfect. world has like, so many different movies. Are they all connected? Why did Barbie fall Does Barbie have all those jobs? There's like seven sisters in one of the movies. And there's, Am like, I Kenneth? She's also a Rapunzel in one of the other movies. Um, you are so Kenneth, guy. You are Kenneth. The Barbie-verse. The Barbie-verse. Warhammer. Warhammer. 40,000. Um, God damn it. The natural next step after doing episode on fantasy. Um, and this may be... This is probably the first time I've done an episode. <coughs> Get that water oh in you, King. Hairball. Sorry, sorry. Um, might be the first time I've done an episode that isn't fantasy-based. Mm. Pardon? Like medieval fantasy-based, I think. You've done a Doctor Who episode. Fuck you, right? Okay, that's it. I'm, oh, I'm sci-fi cool. versus fantasy. Right. <laughs> I um, thought you were talking about. F- oh no, that's fiction. <laughs> Good one, guy. We literally run a podcast on fiction. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm very, anyway. very stupid. So, <laughs> Warhammer Fantasy. There is only war, as the catchphrase goes. Um, it's like Fallout's one. War s- never changes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um. So we're going to take the plunge, the dreaded leap into the horrible, horrible, disgusting world of Warhammer 40k. Uh, the flagship of nerdum. If you are a nerd, you've heard of Space Marines. You'd heard For the Emperor. You've heard Purge the Xenos. Maybe. Anyway, 
for our first foray and the intro to this fucking monstrosity of a universe, we are gonna focus on the main faction, the Imperium, aka the Empire of Humans that have taken the stars by storm. Is that the blue guys? Um, that's one of the many factions. I just know the blue um, guys. They look cool. They... There's a little bit in Warhammer 40k. We'll get into it. Um, the Imperium of Man is a little bit humanity fuck yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of Xenos factions that try to fight. So I feel like it's a pretty general nerd term, but for anyone that doesn't know, Xenos, uh, Xenos, whatever, however you want to pronounce it, just kind of a general term for aliens can be... Generally, it's the accepted term in a lot of sci-fis to refer to alien creatures other than humans. Um, anyway, um, so first off, um, what is it that makes Warhammer 40k different? Um, so we're going to call it Warhammer 40k for most of the time, or just simply 40k because it's a mouthful. Um, it is science fiction, and that... But in saying that, that is both correct and not correct in many different ways. Uh, like most other science fiction worlds, it does take place in the future. The very, 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 very far future at that. Um, but it is also science fiction in the sense that much of its world building revolves around the use of technology that hasn't been invented yet and the moral and political consequences of the use of that technology. Your favourite sort of thing. And it's the future of the um, fantasy world we talked about last time, right? Uh, not really. Kind okay. of, kind of, kind of, yes, kind so of. So the fantasy world the same name then? What's the fucking point? <laughs> well, look, it, it sort of is, it sort of isn't. They're kind of, a lot of people thought that they were, once upon a time it was thought that it was like the distant, distant, distant future of the fantasy world, mm -hmm. but then the fantasy world had stuff happen and the law that made that impossible. The, the accepted thing these days is that it's more like a parallel universe that's connected rather than like the same. So it has nothing to do with it. Well, there's some overlap of characters. Similar characters, similar at the race, point that different, you're... Different, different, different timeline, you know? Different timeline. Exactly. Okay, exactly. different... Still then, it, like, at the point that your story requires headcanon of moving it to a different universe or timeline... I count those two as no longer part of the same canon. If that's the only way you can reconcile them, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's they're, fine. They're, 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 it's good to have their own. I think they're they're, um, they're they're an interesting. Sorry, they're an interesting like yeah. number of races and themes of that races that are just in very different environments. One's a magic fantasy yeah. world, and one's a space marine world. And yes, they could be on the same timeline, yeah. but it doesn't really matter if they're on the same timeline or in the two different universes. They're like, yeah, they're just different worlds. You know, different genres. Exactly, exactly. Do exactly. we have a rattling gun, um, Dojude? It's important. Um, not quite. No, I'm done. I'm out. That's good. No, I'm good. fucking rattling gun. The last episode yeah, had a rattling soz. gun and it was really cool. And I'm out. It's all good. Yeah, soz. soz. <laughs> um, so, that being space said, rattling 40k isn't, right isn't exactly the classical space-faring science fiction like Star Trek. So, what genre is it is a question that a lot of people ask about 40k because it's kind of hard to quite lock down because um, it's quite different yeah basically um 
so the kind of first thing you can say about it is that it is deeply pessimistic and dystopian. Pretty much everything in the future of the 40k universe has gone completely wrong, and apart from a few factions and some recent plot developments, which I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to, um, progress and enlightenment are nowhere to be found. There is no future enlightenment, it is just grimdark. Um, and technology has, in a lot of cases, devolved rather than evolved. Um, more on the technology section below, which we'll get to. Um, and if you forget the spaceships and laser sh lasers for a second, it could just very well be a dark fantasy about ancient heroes battling monsters and legendary swords and magic powers. We'll get into it. Hell yeah. Um, while 40k contains major science fiction and fantasy elements, it is important to know that the individual stories told within the 40k universe make up a much more diverse list of genres than just that. There are crime stories of detectives solving murders in film noir-esque megacities, um, farcical comedies about silly orcs, classical pulp adventures aimed at young readers, gritty war stories of infantry squads fighting in muddy trenches of endless battlefields, um, and perhaps most of all, tons and tons of horror stories. Um, so that kind of leads me to the general accepted thing for 40k is calling it grimdark science fiction. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of the horror it's stuff. It's kind of... It's like online and like... Yeah, of, like, there, there is... Yeah, there is a lot of horror involved, but there's, there's, it's kind of, it's one of those things where it is such a disgusting monstrosity of a law because, so it's, as we said in the first Warhammer fantasy episode we did, it's um, Games Workshop's one of their flagship games. It's been around for a very, very long time now. Every time they release a new rule book, a new rule supplement, a new book connected to the rules there's more lore added in there. Every time they release a new mod... I mean, this company, especially for 40k, they release models pretty much every week. Every time they release a new random model, there's some new little tidbit of lore attached to that model where it fits mm. into the universe. They're always working, like, twice a year, generally. Maybe even more often they'll do big supplement releases that have a massive story development, and then sometimes those things will have really big revelations about the history. Um, so there's, there's, it's very much an ever-expanding, ever-growing lore. There is no set-in-stone thing. It is just big. And there's fucking article... There's, like, a community page where they're always posting random articles on where they randomly drop bits of lore onto there sometimes. So it's just like... Ugh. How long has 40k been being developed as a story? Um, since the 90s. Since the 90s? Yeah. Kind of reminds me Yikes. of Yikes. So not it. only is it weekly lore splatter, it's like mm -hmm. 23 plus years. 20 yeah. years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're in like their 10th edition now, I think. I could be so wrong with that. I'd be 9th or something. I get confused between the yeah, different yeah, games. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It reminds and whenever me, they do like a big... It reminds me of like um, kind of like MCU kind of kind of deal. Like, mm. Especially the comics. Like mm. stories you tell like either very fun, little sto fun stories or like gritty dark stories are very serious heroic stories like but it also is mm -hmm. like again adding to that law or completely flipping that law on its head every week so like yeah exactly exactly they don't they don't do too much that retcon they, there isn't a lot of retcon they're pretty good at um one thing i suppose that's a little bit different like the comic book universes where like sometimes you'll come into the comics it's like oh that thing was the case dot 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 until this person took over a comic run and changed the origins of that. There isn't a lot of that. Generally, things are pretty set in stone in the past. It's just that there's new stuff that happens afterwards. It reminds me of, I mean, he was a good man until he wasn't. 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's not a lot of that. There's a very they did very deliberately and in one of their very 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 few strokes of actual smart writers. Um, the original people that made 40k and its background lore left a lot of question marks, um, which you know is obviously a good thing because it meant that people to this day have still got this. We, we will get to some. There are some big unanswered questions in the lore from the very, very beginning that we still don't have an answer to, and so many of the fans are like, holy shit, the implications of this are massive, we really want to know, and they're still holding the cards to close their chest on that. So, you know, they're probably saving it for like a rainy day when they get to like their 20th edition in 30 years' time, and are like, okay, we need something to really shake up the lore. Yeah, please. no, um, I, I feel like that's a, that's a common mm. thing with... Uh, fiction that needs a community which is a weird niche that i bring up but like the thing that popped into my head was like the scp community like Mm. scp 001 if you don't know what it's just basically a bunch of uh fake made up monsters that are all contained in a big facility there's a big law behind it it's pretty good um Mm. and each article so scp 002 181 Mm. etc etc are all different anomalous things Mm-hmm. SCP-001 has never been, def- like, defined. There's a bunch of, like, things that are in contention for SCP-001, but I have a mm. feeling that the wiki won't put anything in that position unless, like, the wiki is literally about to die and no one's paying attention there's, to it anymore. There's, like, literally, like, 20 things that people have classified as SCP-001. There's so many different things that people have tried to make SCP-001, but I feel like they're going to hold on to that until, like, the community's in dire need of a fresh injection of new life, which, for now, they're, they're perfectly fine. Yeah. They're pumping out thousands at a time. It's a really interesting yeah. little, like, yeah. lore mm. made by, like, entirely by, like, online stories and stuff like that. But, yeah, really interesting it's building collaborator-based, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. lore that needs a fandom. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of one of the things that I actually really like about Games Workshop. As, as much as I dislike a lot of things about them from a company standpoint, just because of the way they do business, sometimes nothing directly awful. But, Capitalism. Um, yeah, <laughs> they do like their money. Um, <laughs> they um, the, the one thing they do really, really well. Um, what they call the Black Library, which is like their community of writers that write all sorts of stories. Um, there is a really big community side of it involved where basically there's a lot of different portals throughout the year where literally anyone can submit stories into the Black Library and sometimes they'll get published as like a full book and be brought on as a Black Library author. Um, sometimes they'll be put into like a compendium of short stories. Um, a friend of mine in the hobby that, um, runs a local Warhammer store, um, she's had like into the double digits of stories um, published in, like, their compendiums that have just been sold across the world and stuff. So it's really cool. They, they're really good. At, and that's just... That's not these writers being given a prompt by the company. This is them just coming up with a unique story idea themselves in the universe with characters that are made up or whatever. Because it's such a... Like, it's an entire universe. Mm-hmm. We're not just talking, like, you know a planet with parallel worlds we're talking like an in it's literally based in the milky way universe so you think about all of the possible things that could happen like it's yeah there's a lot of room for small unique stories basically it's really interesting Um, concept because like it's mm. like i like open source is really good right so people Mm, contributing mm, no one really owns it it's everyone for you like that's Mm -hmm. really good it feels kind of like that (laughs) where it's like an open source law it like lets the people do but i can see two problems with it one, it's good that they kind of pick and choose, obviously, because yeah, hundred percent. People can, <laughs> people sometimes don't know what's best for them. <laughs> to yeah. be honest, yeah. Sometimes the the, exactly. the fan base does not know what they want. Also, oh, it does seem really weird yeah. though, because 
It does seem like they're letting people write their stories for free <laughs> and then publishing <laughs> them and saying, look at this. <laughs> oh, get- no, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they get paid. Okay, they get paid if they memory. get shows. They don't, just, they don't just go, ha-ha, <laughs> free real estate. <laughs> I yeah. took your fan fiction and now it's mine. Yeah. I think... I think from memory, it depends a little bit on the, um, it depends a little bit. Some of like the short story compendiums they put out, they're usually stuff they put out for free. They don't make money off of them. Um, anything that they actually charge for, you would be a paid writer for them. Uh, but generally like the, the short story compendiums that like they'll pick completely random people for, they're more like a platform that they'll release for free online on their websites people can read them and then people may say oh wow that person's short story was really good and then that person may get picked up to write an actual novel under them you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's yeah for all of their many capitalist horrible impulses people stuff it is one of the few things they do quite well their law and the way they garner a community um so yeah continuing on um when does 40k take place (laughs) any guesses the year 2000 Y2K has taken us Y2K sent us into the hell dimension (laughs) so um, around 40,000 years on from now um, in the 41st millennium wait um, 40,000 years on from now 40,000 years on from the year zero the 40 the 40 it's in the 40,000 otherwise be the 43rd hey hey (laughs) this is the nerd podcast you're not gonna get away with that bullshit i'm i'm actually you how dare you i'm actually me um it has a very important and highly detailed prelude that takes place 10,000 years before the current years um in the 31st millennium and we'll talk a little bit about that and that's a very important part to the law (laughs) um but one thing that's kind of interesting and a fact that i didn't know because i've been out of the hobby for a while um, the story has progressed enough to the point where the writers have actually said they're getting really close to being in the 42nd millennium, which I find kind of funny. Let's go. Um, yeah. Um, 42k, baby. Have to call it, they have to call it Warhammer 41k. Yeah. Um, uh, but for the, uh, but for most of the 40k's lifetime as a fictional universe, it is happening right around that 40,000 AD timestamp. Um, so 40k tales take place in heavy quotation marks are galaxy so places like earth renamed in this to holy terror we'll get onto it nice. um, and the sun and our galaxy and mars they're all there mm-hmm. but they're unrecognizable in many ways um because how far into the future we are um, and it's all sun- set in the and we're all in like the, the milky way there? universe no, 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 no. My question was, how can the sun be unrecognizable? The sun, what do they do? Well, the do? sun's not necessarily... <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they've, like, built structures around it and stuff, that sort of okay, thing. Okay, fair enough. It's, it's wearing, um, and, like, Mars has turned into... A... And, and spooky yeah. glasses. And sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'd yeah, recognize yeah. it with sunglasses on. I see the sun with sunglasses on a lot of... A lot of <laughs> yeah, that's how I draw it most of the time. <laughs> You're not distracting me with those. Yeah. It's got a big um, hat And on. also, Mars, Mars is home to a tech race who run a big university and build tech for the Empire. Oh, anyway, hell yeah. Um, um, the Empire. Yes, yes. Um, so humanity has colonized most of the universe. They're spread out across the whole. They're everywhere. They're like a fucking plague of rats. Um, but many alien species have also claimed parts of it, and all of it is closely connected to uh, connected by the horrifying parallel dimension of the Immaterium, otherwise known as the Warp, which we talked a little bit about in the fantasy episode. Um, the warp is a chaos-infested realm that defies the laws of physics, letting civilizations of the galaxy um, use it as a very, very dangerous and reliable form of shortcut to get fast space travel. So people can have access to something called a warp drive, which lets them use the demon dimension to travel across the universe very quickly. 
been safe and, and in reliable. thousands of years Can't no one's figured out a better wrong. way than going through hell uh no well it's just so they figured out a lot of other ways but it's just so fast it's just so Even efficient it, it, it's just, if it works in minecraft it works in real life i don't see a problem yeah um so kind of the because there is a race there is an alien race which we aren't going to talk about today but we may talk about in the future um that have got the fastest form of intergalactic travel they have developed a faster than light engine that's faster than any other engine mm-hmm. but even that isn't as fast as using the warp because the warp is literally instantaneous faster than light travel while it is still very 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 like you know incalculably fast it isn't quite instant and they still have to do things like put their soldiers into stasis so they don't age much by the time they get there whereas the warp is literally like doing the the wormhole theory of two different parts of space folded together but we're not going to get into the specific science because obviously they haven't but if you traveled at the speed of light time would slow down for you so much that you wouldn't perceive the travel don't worry like I say, about it. What did I just say? Well, no, what no, did no. I hold just on, say? Hold on, Matt. Yeah? You want to fight me on this? The reason is because they're going faster than light, which would cause their time to run backwards, backwards, and they don't want their soldiers to turn into babies. You know what? You're right. You're actually right. They're going backwards in time. <laughs> That's actually true. They would go backwards in time anyway, if they faster than light. <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to talk too much about the science of it for obvious reasons. This would um, be negative length. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd go backwards. Don't worry. Don't they'd stop. go backwards. Um, <laughs> The Imperium of Mankind is what we are going to focus on. Um, So the Imperium of Mankind is the civilization that is home to most of the untold billions and billions and millions and millions of humans living across the galaxy. Um, Longer than 10,000 years old, the modern Imperium is a civilization that is always almost at the brink of extinction due to numerous threats to its existence from within and without. The official leader of the Imperium is the God Emperor of Mankind, an immortal, powerful, psychic warrior and genius who once united humanity under his banner 10,000 years ago, uh, but who is now little more than an artificially sustained corpse locked away in his deep palace on Terra, uh, while he uses his powers to protect the Empire against the forces of chaos. Um, In everyday life, the Imperium is actually ruled by a monstrous bureaucracy of administrators, generals, and priests um, in what can best be described as a theocratic police state where religious doctrine and mountains of paperwork keeps everything under at least some kind of control. to defend itself, like I said, a lot of dystopia here. Yeah. Uh, to defend itself from the many dangers that surround it, the Imperium has many, 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 many different military and paramilitary organizations. But um, the two that are really important to this are the Astra Militarum and the Space Marines. I was going to say, this guy sounds like I, 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 I've met Walt Disney. I know, I know what I know what his story is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Walt Disney. He's, um, he's frozen. His little head's frozen in carbonite or whatever. <laughs> what am I thinking of? Well, oh no, that's a Fallout New Vegas spoiler. Don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> I see. Um, so the Astra Militarum um, is um, the. In a lot of ways, they're kind of like the other arm of the Imperial military power because mm-hmm. the Space Marines are like the big flag poster boys. They're the big chunky blue armored ultramarines hell yeah i like them they're cute (laughs) and the other colored armored dudes whatever so these kind of like Um, military for the empire kind of like fascists is that kind of the vibe of these guys all imperial Um, i mean 
I don't want to say it, but like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it's a, prob- it's a problem with the word. You sound, you say fascist, and it sounds like you're being hyperbolic, but sometimes there are. It's okay. Mm. It's just mm. the definition of the word, but it's like, it's also like just because just because we can acknowledge they're fascist doesn't mean we can can't say they're big boys and they look really cool and they do cool <laughs> shit. We don't agree with them, but they, they got a chainsaw, and I fucking like that chainsaw. Um, look, we're dealing with a galic, um, a intergalactic empire who one of their genuine options, this isn't even like a absolute last resort, one of their just genuine methods of dealing with a chaos incursion or like a big alien attack is, okay, we'll just destroy the entire planet. Don't worry about it. It's an easy go to, you know, sometimes you just, it is. There's, there's a lot of planets out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and with no evacuation, mind you, everyone that's on it will die. It's fine. The space um, marines who went down there knew it was a chance. They just didn't think it was going to come from yeah. us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they were always prepared for the possibility it would come from them. Fire um, those cannons. But sire, the troops! <laughs> just do it! <laughs> actually, actually, no. The space marines are generally safe. They generally evacuate them. It's these poor guys, the Astra Militarum, that don't oh, get evacuated. Oh, they're, they're just the general um, suckers. So <laughs> instead of... Okay, so picture a space marine. We'll get into them. Picture this nearly eight foot tall genetically modified literal think captain america but like times 20 in every possible way like an absolute alpha chad clad in like a impossibly advanced sophisticated armor suit with this machine gun that fires exploding bullets and then picture just a regular dude (laughs) yeah that's the similar term. They are just a whole bunch of regular dudes. There is a, he's got a gun. Whole whole. They gave him a gun, and he's like, "Go get him, <laughs> go get him, Tiger." Um, what I'm gonna do is send you um a picture of them. I'll send it to the messenger group chat because it's the easiest thing. Um, they took a hell of a lot of inspiration for these guys from the any of you that have seen it. Um. They took a hell of a lot of inspiration for the Imperial Guard's general aesthetic for their just general troops from the Alien movies. Um, uh, uh, um, where is... There's the Living by the Lord chat. Um, so as you see, these guys, uh, they took a lot of inspiration from like the Alien movies sort of thing. Um, oh my god, they kind of just... It just looks like Star, uh, Starship Trooper. Yeah, 100%, 100%. They're, they're very kind of standard, sort of stereotypical marines. Not space marines, but like mar- American military marines in space kind of vibe. They've got big helmets. Um, they do, they do. Um, the So instead of betting all of their power on superhuman augmentation, the Astra Militarium finds its strength in the sheer quantity of Imperium-controlled worlds that make up the Imperium of Mankind. It's... it's- it is basically the human army consisting of literally billions of ground troops enlisted from all across the galaxies. Many planets have their own distinct military traditions, which also make up for a lot of fun world building. We won't really talk about it too much today because there's so much other stuff to get through. Um, but um, they just have an insane amount of crude firepower in the shape of mass-produced tanks and artillery sourced from the extremely productive industry of the Imperium, all of which is pretty much geared towards producing for the military. This means that the Astra Militarum is pr- uh, pretty closely resembles a slightly futuristic and extremely exaggerated version of a European World War One army. You th- you're throwing up bodies at them, they got them, you know? 
it is that is literally the, to them and the generals of the Astro Militarum, victory is just a matter of okay, how many bodies am I throwing in? See, this is what I'm saying, guy. This is the this is why I say so many rats will kill you because well, the discussion we had earlier. It's because there are just too many of them, and yes, even they they just need to be annoying enough that they that they're a distraction from the big guy who comes down later, though. This is true. This is true. Um, My other question: I'm looking at the image mm-hmm. that Judas sent here, and to mm-hmm. describe mm-hmm. it for the listeners, it's a line of army men in a very grungy, dark grey skies, explosions. There's a line of green guys with big shooting guns. There's a couple mechs and tanks in the background, which I'm intrigued by. But mm-hmm. also in the middle of it, there's a guy with a pistol and a sword uh, mm-hmm. pointing, presumably, the general. Here's My question, I can see dead troops directly in front of them. Are the enemies stupid? Why don't they just shoot him? Um, he's probably just standing up in a quick moment of glory, I'd assume. <laughs> just, so, um, just in the painting. Take the photo, take the photo, take the photo. Okay, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up. Three, two, one. Oh! It's also so literally a painting. Um, they probably just made it and they put him at the front just to make him look cool. Nah, he also looks like a they pirate. Found, they've made photography. He does. So that dude is an example of a commissar. Um, there is a lot of inspiration from the Russian military in like World War One, World War Two era mm-hmm. for the. I can see that. Um, they've got their basic conscript soldiers that are just thrown into the meat grinder with not maybe enough training and not maybe enough weapons behind them. And they've got people like commissars who are sort of religious fanatics to the empire, and they will just kind of cut the head off of any man that tries to flee and say, get the fuck back in there to the rest of the squad. It's very intimidating. Um, you've got a big red hmm. hat and a big red and black cloak and a gun oh, yeah. and a sword in this... Like, it's... <laughs> sorry, I just looked at it closer. This is extremely funny to me. Like, behind his sword, not even, like, in the distance, like, close enough to him, there is a full-on fucking mech, and this guy has a sword. Yep. That's Chad. That's, a, that's, that's alpha behavior. It is... It is a, um, what's the word? It is technically a power sword, so, like, it's electrified and stuff. Sure it is. Don't worry about sure it. Sure it is. I also, Ooh, I also um, can't, can't the, the sword and gun combo is kind of lit. I love that. Uh, it's pretty lit. But pretty I also lit. can't help to notice that there is a, just a, conf- like, a space confederate flag kind of swinging in the wind right there behind him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of hate that. You thought, oh, the yeah. Im- you thought the imagery <laughs> would be subtle, Matthew? Yeah, it's not very subtle, I'll be honest. <laughs> yep. Remember, remember when I was saying I didn't necessarily say these guys are the good guys. <laughs> um, I don't think they are good guys. <laughs> everyone's bad. Well, some, but um, that's the future. Welcome so to the future. So there are many more sub factions within the Imperium. There's the Adeptus Soritas, um, who are the Sisters of Battle. Um, we'll probably we may talk about them one day. They're a pretty interesting faction, but I just couldn't really fit them into this. Um, there's the Mechanicum, who are if you see next to our friendly Commissar there, there's that big robot dude with a stick. Yes, he, he looks stick. like a bug robot. Yep, very big. Yeah, like the bug, bug robot, forearms, big stuff, kind of cogwheel thing on top. Is that is a native of the planet of Mars, of course. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. That's what a Martian looks like in this universe. Sorry, hold on. Um, native of Martian, native of Mars, because they moved there, or because they were there the whole time? And they're just kind of there. Fair enough. There's so don't know. I don't know for certain. Okay, very sad. I was looking forward to um, seeing what the what the SpaceX. I was I, I was looking forward to meet a Martian, but he's directly next to the Confederate flag, so I can't really be happy to see him. <laughs> Not actually the Confederate um, flag. It just they're, has... they're kind <laughs> of look at that flag. Is, they are they are like techno priests, that sort of vibe. Um, so they kind of they kind of create all of the machines in this world are a little bit psychic based. Does he DJ um, on the side? Like ginormous. The ginormous mech in the background, like to the top left corner, is what's called a Titan. So this would be like 
for the viewers at home, a big, like, Imperial-class Titan would be, like, bigger than the Empire State Building sort of level of mech. Like, it's fucking gigantic. See, that's the kind um, of mech on a battlefield like, that I just, I don't think you need people on the ground when you have a, something that big. No number of people are going to take that thing down. That thing is just a separate battle. That's having a separate battle yeah, on a whole like, different scale. It's like me versus the it rats. Is. At that point, like, there's no, no point trying to... Ch- no, the rats are... That's like me versus ants. I don't think ants could kill me. I don't think ants could kill me. Oh, that's a challenge. Ants are, rats rats are could, Rats could kill me. No, ants could not. Rats could Ants could. Ants could not kill me. I would die against one ant. <laughs> He's actually deadly all allergic. Right, all right, all right, all right. So, um, there's also the Inquisition, um, who are another faction that are even more... Fu- whole another shades of fucked up, but like I say, we won't get into them just yet today. Um, so, the Space Marines um, is the main thing we're going to talk about today. Um, they are a superhuman force of genetically altered and biochemically augmented elite warriors created as 20 original legions with 20 different superhero-like Primarch leaders who were created by the Emperor at the beginning of his Great Crusade. Following me? Basically. <laughs> yes, Matthew? I like these guys very much. I have one question. Does the suit mm-hmm. jack them off? No, it definitely doesn't. Why okay. not? <laughs> what the fuck? Ha- Halo, Halo's Master looks... Chief is better now. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I, I actually, I think they might be star. I could be wrong. I feel like I remember them being star. Yo, let's sure. go. It jacked um, them off too hard. They know it can be jacked off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tore my dick asunder. <laughs> <laughs> I think also with Master Chief, most people, yeah. if they ever experiment on you too much and make you a big, swole man, I think you're pretty much sterile. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. It's kind of how it happens. Yeah. Um, it's, it's part of the process. <laughs> yeah, look. Um, Witches. Anyway. Uh, Halo, Master Chief, probably Captain America. He hangs up the Hulk way too much no, to be Sarah. what do you, you know mean? I mean? Cap- the Captain America don't fire blanks. Hey, he hangs out with the Hulk way too much. That man, he, that man gives <laughs> off gamma radiation. <laughs> okay. I- <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're thinking? What are you thinking, guy? What are you thinking? Oh, I thought the Hulk crushed his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> got your balls. <laughs> he jacked him off so hard. He got fucking ripped his No, he off. does the ball tap joke and just fucking annihilates him. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. I can imagine the Hulk being really sad about that because he wanted to join in on the joke and he just killed, just just blew up someone's Can we nuts. go back? To, I prefer space. I prefer the yeah. space fascists to talking about <laughs> oh, so, Captain Anyway, Dude, um, just like chip punch. He's busting a nut. <laughs> no one out for the no one out for the cat because he can't do it. <laughs> Me. All right, I'm continuing. USA. Um, the USA. Space Marines are set apart from the rest of human society. Um, this is in part because they are barely human. Um, they're taller and stronger than ordinary humans, and they are also look somewhat distorted from the human form because of all their implants and extra organs. We'll get into it. Um, And they don't die from old age or from most diseases. So some are thousands of years old. Most of them don't really get to live that long. But some are. Um, However, their separation from the rest of humanity also is due to the sometimes pretty bizarre warrior monastic cultures of the Space Marines. To just name a few, the Blood Angels chapter suffer from an almost vampiric disease which stems from the collective trauma of the death of their Primarch. Um, which can drive them to go insane and enter a berserk state of bat- on the battlefield. 
Uh, the Iron Hands replace their various physical limbs with the mechanical augments to overcome the fragility of the human form. Uh, the Space Wolves live for glory and renown, but also carry a curse where they can sometimes just turn into a werewolf. <laughs> of course they um, the, Vibes. Yep. Uh, the Black Templars are a xenophobic crusader zealots covered in religious iconography, and so on. They're all pretty wild. I like, I think, I like how they're just kind of like fantasy tropes. In a, me- in, a, in a in a modern setting, you know? They're just turning, yeah, turning pretty much, bit. pretty much. But also... Pretty much. What what was the first one? What was that? What'd they lose? Their Primus? Their Primarch, which we'll get into. That's, that was the... If you heard me say it at the start. Uh, they, so there's 20 legions of original Space mm-hmm. Marines, and they were each based off of 20 Primarchs, who were the original creations. Interesting. Creation. That's, I'm interested mm-hmm. in what the hell that is. We will get to them. Um... So, no matter how inhumane and terrifying the Space Marine may seem, they're a big part of the reason humanity is still in the game of galactic domination, since their superhuman powers and dedication to warfare above all allow the Imperium to compete with some of the more advanced and more physically strong alien species in the galaxy. Um, So the next segment that I have is captioned with the title, Are We the Baddies? Um, (coughs) So, the leaders of the Imperium are very much villains of the, in the eyes of the other species of the 40k galaxy, um, but also, uh, but can also often seem to be, um, also seem to be to the fans of the hobby. Uh, but they're also the humans of the 40k setting, which makes it natural to identify with them anyway, which is sort of what makes 40k so interesting. Um, it forces readers slash viewers slash players to identify with something um, of which there's nothing really to be proud of, and it can make you think about how the Imperium might not be so different from some of the ways in which humans in history have... Anyway, um... No, we're joking, we're joking. Um, one thing that's important to know about the Imperium for someone that's new to the lore, however, is that whilst the Imperium of Mankind, especially the Space Marines, might be the protagonists, um, they are not the good guys. The Imperium is an incredibly cruel, unbelievably oppressive monster of a civilization that is horrible to its citizens and its enemies alike. Oh, so humanity. Good to, good to know. Like <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, like Bowser. Like um, Bowser. <laughs> So, while the 40k universe is mostly all about war, the various stories in novels, audio dramas, and source books for the franchise do tell us a lot about how society is structured within the universe, um, especially in the case of the Imperium of Man. Um, So, we'll talk a little bit about this. I don't want to go on and on and on about society, because that's not really what we're here for, but it's still interesting. Um, We do live in one. So, we do live in one. We do live in one. Um, So, Faith and Heresy... Um, everyday life in the Imperium is saturated with religion in all areas of life. Utter devotion to the Emperor is expected from everyone, and religious rituals such as prayers, processions, blessings, and the burning of incense are part of everything from celebrations to the operating of machinery. Uh, the worship of the Emperor also heavily influences architecture and design in the Imperium, so that everything is constructed with spires, mosaics, and angelic sculpture wherever it can fit onto a building. It's very gothic Vibes. architecture. Kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah. Max- maximalism. Um, kind of love that shit. It is, often, it is often referred to the Imperium as being space Catholic, um, which <sighs> should give you an idea of its visual style. I mean, um, okay. I know it sounds really... A- oppressive like theocracy uh-huh. is uh-huh. not the best way of the government i know that's a hard call to make a theocracy is not the best 
federal government. But damn, the architecture would be sick as hell. I kind of love it, that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be worth it. I'm um, just saying it might be oh, worth yeah. it, boys. I'm just saying, don't worry about it. <laughs> Look at the if boring architecture we get these days. Don't fix it. Um, the modern architecture is so sad. <laughs> Um, well, a like society, a society so fundamentally tied up in religious dogma and practice doesn't tolerate um, deviation from the true path dictated by religion. Uh, in 40k, that means that heresy is one of the greatest taboos of the Imperium, and such violations of religious doctrine are policed by the Inquisition. Um, the various forms of police, and even by the Space Marines themselves in extreme cases. Um, since the Great chaos fueled Rebellion, which happened in the year 30,000, um, the subjects turning their back on the worship of the Emperor has been perceived as one of the greatest threats to the Imperium, and Imperial institutions spent unbelievable amount of resources keeping that threat contained, which isn't always easy given the vast diversity of their subjects. Um, so not only do they have this billions of planets spanning Empire with infinite number of citizens that we can't even begin to com uh, calculate um they've also got crews of people trying to stop them turning on the religion of the emperor and falling to chaos who are always trying to corrupt people you see why it gets a bit crazy mm -hmm. yeah um oh my god so, that's so good they're, but they've got the planet busting weapon if they come back and one of the planets has like decided it's entirely non-theological -the just nuke the fucker you see why destruction what's, of an entire planet starts to become not so crazy. We've got billions of what's them. What's one planet the in the empire? What's one planet? What's one planet? <laughs> Imagine trying to manage this shit. Exactly. Infection that's um, going to spread if not destroyed. We need. Well, yeah, that is the mentality. We need to. Act I'm not saying now. it makes it right, but you can you can understand why that sort of thing becomes a reasonable solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally um, reasonable. I think we should enact that on this podcast. If any of you start to disrespect the law and you're not living by it, I think we should murder you. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, diversity and beauty. This is Exhibit A um, in Ju Guy's murder case. I'm only applying to you two, just, just Guy and Jude. Uh -huh. no, anyone listens, um, you're fine. Don't worry. Because humanity has populated the galaxy outside of Terra for more than 20,000 years, the many human-populated worlds that make up the Imperium are insanely diverse, not just because of their very different climates, living conditions, but also because human culture has had time to diverge in all sorts of directions before the rise of the Imperium itself. Uh, notice that I said that they've been outside of the galaxy for 20,000 years, but the Emperor only founded the Imperium of Man 10,000 years ago. Mm. Mm. I did notice I that, but that could be noticing it for me. Yes. Um, other worlds are... Uh, uh, some worlds are almost medieval, with knightly orders and gigantic mechanical walkers protecting farmers and serfs from dragon-like monsters. Um, other worlds are pockmarked by hive cities where billions of humans live under horrible conditions, surviving in gangs while manning massive industrial complexes that feed the imperial war machine. Um, some worlds are covered in shrines and cathedrals and are the destruction uh, destination of galaxy-spanning pilgrimages. Um, you get the idea. It is all over the shop. I do love uh, using like a futuristic just to make a fantasy setting. It's very cool. I like the way they identify yeah. it and the way it slips around. I just, it doesn't matter. It's a very cool vibe and you have like yeah. unique things that wouldn't be in a fantasy world that are, that are here now and it's just like, it, I don't know, it's, 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 it's kind of sick. There is so much, which we'll get into um, very, very soon. We will get into why different parts of the Imperium are so vastly technologically different from each other. Um, 
So the one place where the diversity of the Imperium is the most evident is, of course, the Astra Militarum, the dudes we were talking about before. Um, here you get regiments from all kinds of cultures meeting up to fight the enemies of mankind. Um, the Cadians, so they're the main standard troops that are basically all the models in-game, and they're the picture I sent you guys before, um, are a warrior society through and through because each recruit grew up guarding their world against a gigantic chaos incursion until the forces of chaos finally managed to destroy the planet. Um, now they're one of the most revered fighting forces in the Imperium, a role model for other regiments in how to never back down, uh, their motto being, the planet broke before the Imperial Guard did. But they lost. Yep. Didn't they all die? Didn't they L. Some of them, they weren't all on the planet necessarily, but well, those, those were... were the ones who yeah. were fighting to the end. Those are the guys who, who were it's late. It's a cool saying, shut the These fuck up. These are the guys up. who were late um, to the battle. Everyone else who died in the battle, those are the real heroes. Cringe. They were serving somewhere else in the These universe. These guys are Valus um, Deering. I was away, oh sorry. <laughs> so once again, talking about fascists, uh, the Death Corps of Krieg, on the other hand, are siege specialists in gas masks famous for their complete disregard for their own safety. Um, taken to be a way of um, atoning for their past transgressions. Uh, the Katachan are fierce jungle fighters and we could go on um sorry just here down 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 in the background here um oh uh, uh Vietnam, yeah, but, but yeah, the, yeah the thing with the planes oh um in. what is it something sun is it the name of something fortunate fortunate sun, fortunate yeah. sun. Yeah, nice yeah. Um, you need the you need the chop chop with the helicopters with it you know yeah yeah, there's just there's so I, I, I don't even think it's fine. I could You've do... gone through all of Brandy Sanity shit, so I'm assuming that you're gonna get through all of Four K. I assume we'll have a full coverage of it. <laughs> We're just getting a wide arc now, and then we'll zoom in when we want to. Yeah, we'll zoom we'll in to every um, single character. So the next the next part of the Imperium um, is mutation and xenophobia. Ah, um, my favorite. Not this going wrong. So their, so their, so their next, their, uh, so their mottos of the Imperium are burn the heretic, um, abhor the mutant, and suffer not the alien to live. Great society, am I right? Um, I like the protagonists. And... <laughs> <laughs> like I say, I'll meet the baddies. Yes. Um, mutation is common in the Imperium since humans evolve and are exposed to all sorts of influences and radiation and warp power all across the galaxy and the Imperium does not tolerate it um, such as the superhumanly strong ogres who perform many important tasks to the industry and military um, but they're also kind of living very tightly under the thumb of you better work for us or we're going to kill you can I ask? yep when we talked about Warhammer Fantasy we had a bunch of different races mm -hmm. right? yep yeah. Do, you, do those still exist, or did those kind of exist from mutation from humans in this? What they were very much their own races in that world. What about um, in this world? There are space elves. There are all sorts of different variations. So there's the Eldar, who are effectively like space yeah. elves, but they're a very different civilization. So there are a bunch um, of different like civilizations that came from Earth. as, yeah. well, as well. Uh they didn't come from Earth. Ah, so in this world, they came from different planets. Yeah, or aliens. Hundred yeah, percent. Humans. It is very much based on our real modern world and. In theory, you know, obviously, like, not, but yes, but no, but yes. Terra slash, like, Earth in this world could be our world in however many thousands of yeah. years. Like, yeah. it's got as much, like, it is assumed that our current world history is the same on this planet, just stupidly far into the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just implying <clears> it because, if, because I knew they were all existing yeah. on one Earth originally. I don't know if that was still the case. Yeah. No, no, okay, not, cool. not in this, not in this. Like I say, they are different worlds in that sense. Cool. Um, so, um... So, mutants whose abilities stray too far from the baseline human are hunted down and exterminated. 
this is mostly due to the boundary of humanity um, that uh, the Imperium polices, uh, that between the human and the decidedly not human, the alien. Um, they are very... They do not tolerate aliens to live. And well. mutants that stray too close and far away from human, they have to draw a line somewhere, they draw a hard line. Eh. Um, got so a to sixth say that finger! The, Time to meet your maker, motherfucker. Yeah, legit. That's where the Inquisition come in. Um, kind of. No, um, so not to the say Inquisition. That the Imperium, <laughs> uh, to say that the Imperium has... It's the Inquisition that are the ones that can authorize for the planet to be destroyed, by the, the way. Spanish are so at it again. It's always the Spanish. They are. They are. First um, the Aztecs, so now the planet. That... <laughs> cool. So to say that the Imperium it's always has religious. a strange relation... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> to say that the Imperium has a strained relationship with aliens, or Xenos, is a huge understatement. In most cases, humans of the Imperium kill aliens literally on sight if they possibly can. There are numerous exceptions, of course, the age and size of the Imperium being what it is. There's all sorts of instances of the Imperium working with aliens. Um, so the Eldar, who are another race we may talk about one day, they're kind of like space elves, to put it really, really simply. Um, have time and again served as council or temporary allies to the Imperium, but that doesn't mean there's also not a million and one lot instances of the Imperium having brutal battles against the Eldar where they murder them horribly. Um, like I say, it's a big universe. Oh no, it's the um, classic. It's the classic. We don't like any other aliens until it's convenient. <laughs> yeah, but it's also the thing of it's such a big impossible to run and maintain Imperium that just because you dealt with this group of space marines over in this side of the universe who were really friendly and were like oh yeah this group of Eldar are going to be a really good ally against this group of orcs we're really good we're battle brothers now doesn't mean that on the other side of the universe there isn't a group of Astra Militarum going burn the aliens and killing a planet of the Eldar, you know? Like, there's so much disconnect because there's yeah, just okay, such that a makes big sense. There's not a, there's not a single, like, ethos and mission and guidelines. Yeah. It's just, like, whatever you can get away with in the local yeah. area. Exactly. Say- and that's not to say those same Astra Militarum who are burning a homeworld of the Eldar, if they were put in that same situation of, hey, the Eldar want to team up with us to defeat this orc threat, they probably would do the same alliance, but it just, yeah, it's too... There's different parts, and different parts of the Empire might be at war with different factions that they aren't at war in different parts of the universe. Eh. Imagine trying to keep those lines of communications open. You I was going to say, it's these f- guys really yeah. need like a weekly out, like a magazine <laughs> or something like that. Just like a newsletter. Yeah, yeah, Get, yeah, get these yeah. guys a newsletter. They, they really need to get do. on the same page. It really, really helps. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of thing you get right. in your mailbox and you just ignore when you do. <laughs> um, so, finally, uh, the Rogue Traders, a strange expeditionary force of rich nobles serving as explorers and merchants at the very fringes of the Imperium, are granted the freedom to cooperate and trade with aliens whenever it furthers the cause of the Imperium. So, they're just kind of like a random group of mercenaries that can go around doing their own thing. Kind yeah, of. Fair enough. Um, so, we're going to talk about the technology of the Imperium now. So, the Imperium, or humans... Um, have a really bad track record with technological innovation. Um, many millennia before the 41st, um, there was a time called the Dark Age of Technology, where innovations in robotics and AI really propelled humanity forward, only for robots called the Men of Iron to rebel against humanity and wage war upon them. This led, humanity, uh, this led to a humanity-wide ban on AI, 
and later, when the Imperium became the theocracy it ended up as, a general ban on the invention of new technology. You better not invent anything new. Don't you dare. If you, uh, if as, I see you tying your gun to a stick, that's illegal. Exactly. Uh, as the years went by, knowledge dwindled and superstition increased, and in the present of 40k, the Imperium's relationship with technology is more magical and religious than it is scientific. Most machines and weapons are reproductions of relics passed from earlier eras of humanity, and often knowledge about how they work has been replaced by ritual, so that tech priests will anoint and bless tanks and guns to keep them working just as much they will actually maintain and repair them. Machines are believed to be possessed by machine spirits, which in-universe to be at least somewhat true, weirdly, um, with tempers of their own, and Mm -hmm. the only proper replacement for artificially intelligent computers are servitors, uh, which are lobotomized human cyborgs embedded within machines to give them some computing capacity. Um, it's backwards and horrifying, <laughs> but it's the Imperium. I, I, love, um, the it's that, that, I love the idea that... Um, ah, damn, the car's broken down. Can you call the priest? Yep. <laughs> Legit. Me getting um, out my screwdriver. And lo, it has been so told that I <laughs> have fixed thee. <laughs> I, I also love... Sorry, oh, let's go. Yeah. No, you go, you go. Uh, it's like that fucking skit of the uh, ATM machine. It's like, ah, it's a new ATM machine. They stick their hand inside, and there's just like a hand that comes and picks it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how much you want? Uh, t- <laughs> 20? And the hand just like... <laughs> yeah, legit. It's also um, the, the other uh, thing that I love about it... Like, they're yeah, just raising they, a think... hammer. For the emperor! Yep. Dink, 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 dink. Just putting together yep. like a shelf. Legit. Legit. Uh, I also love that their solution to, hmm, AI is really useful, but it's got too much free will and is going to rebel against us. I love that their solution is to get a person, lobotomize them, and turn them into a machine. Fixed. Because the lobotomized humans won't rise up against us. <laughs> exactly. Oh um, <coughs> Poor machines. So, um, this cha- this, some of this stuff has changed a little bit in the very, very, very recent lore. Like, the most recent lore has seen some very big changes in the Imperium, and especially with their stance toward technology. But I'm actually not going to talk about that. Um, so, the magic is the next thing we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What is magic in 40k? Real magic or fake magic? Um, it is sort of... <laughs> it sort of has a scientific explanation. It yes! Doesn't, um, it is all called psychic powers it isn't magic but like it is magic but it isn't so the warp as we said before is a parallel dimension of energy that bleeds into the real world in many ways its most important function in 40k is that the imperium and other factions use the warp as a shortcut across the galaxy um it is a very dangerous shortcut however as travelers in the warp subject themselves to psychic assaults by the powers that dwell in the warp think event horizon sort of shit um, and you're never quite sure if you arrive at the right destination or even at the right time. Imperial fleets have been known to arrive even centuries too late at a destination. To make warp travel work, Imperial ships use mutant navigators um, who can track the currents in the warp as well as an astronomicon, um, a great psychic beacon projected into the warp by the Emperor himself. Again. No mutants, unless it's convenient. Unless it helps us. Wait, what exactly. is that psychic warp that the Emperor does? So, um, I thought you'd ask. So, the Astronomicon is what the Emperor has become in his near-death, not-quite-alive, zombified state, sitting on his throne in terror. Um, he projects 
he's a very, 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 very... We're going to talk about him a little bit more in a sec, but he's an incredibly powerful psychic being, which is how he got to his status of emperor. Um, and he's so powerful that he projects kind of like a shadow of himself into the warp that is such a powerful beacon that psychers that um, train themselves as navigators, they are able to travel and navigate the warp based of their position to him projecting into the warp. Like a yeah. one lighthouse, but it's a fucking bright lighthouse. Yep. Okay, if that could, exactly. If he's that okay, I was kind of thinking the, the the emperor was kind of like a figurehead that everyone just worshipped because it was like convenient to make a worship. But like, if no. this guy's this powerful, I might worship him myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We'll get to him. That, that's um, really interesting though. Like, it reminds me of like yeah. okay. Firstly, the the mutant navigators reminds me of like Dune. They have the the navigators. Mm, mm, they mm, have the people who mm. can do the calculations and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. And that, that that reminds me of a Garth Nix books. I can't remember what it's called. It's like Princes or something like that. It's a Garth Nix book about like an empire who like who have like ten thousand princes and they have like a, they share a psychic mind, and mm. like everyone in that have like a they all can connect to each other through this psychic mind. And the emperor is chosen every uh, every twenty years to be, to like be the commander of all of them. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, talking about psychers themselves. So, psychers are people that use psychic powers. Um, among the Imperium, um, people are sometimes just born as psychers, which are humans with the psychic potential and a special connection to the warp. Um, they are usually seen as threats and eliminated by the Inquisition or the Sisters of Silence. Um, of course they are. But... Um, because they are a direct connection to the warp and could accidentally start a gate to the warp in the middle of the city and then the chaos comes to Demons, demons, yay! demons, demons, baby. But, you know what's also cool about psychers? They're pretty psyched. Tr- training them and bringing them into the military. Um, Jedi, baby! But it's there's gold. an even better use for them um, where every single day hundreds if not thousands of them have to be sacrificed to feed the emperor and keep the astronomicon i was literally about to say the emperor fucking eats them as a joke he does as a joke (laughs) um so thousands of innocent psychers are killed every single day imagine the Um, leader of an empire having to eat eat children and the blood of children to like like there's there's definitely no metaphors here at all no way no 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 no, um, no no parallels nothing um, so other civilizations also have psychers, so Eldar, Farseers, who can predict the future. Um, there's all sorts of different people. Um, but, um, none are more tapped into the psychic potential warp than the forces of chaos, and chaos that is their realm. So when people use psychic powers, so I won't talk about them too much, because obviously we could get so much more into this, but psychic powers are split into a few different schools in Warhammer 40k, so you've got, like, telekinesis telepathy um divination pyromancy and a couple of other ones that i forget because i haven't played the game in a few years but yeah um there's kind of a few different ways of manifesting these warp powers but all of the time when you do it there's the chance that you may lose yourself to chaos so yeah lose yourself in the music at the moment she pyromancy until i chaos yes (laughs) um we're gonna go on to the emperor and the founding of the empire now which is I, I don't want to say the main part of the episode because that implies that it's bigger than the other part, but, like, the part that I wanted to talk about. But anyway. All of this has just been context to the one thing you want to talk about. It's a lot of, co- it's a lot of context. But it was, My like, 60%... Co- yeah. I know, I know. It's but for it's the okay. Don't worry. Uh, it's it is for the, the warp. Don't worry about it. Watch out for the chaos demons. They're yeah, coming. Yeah. Um, so the Emperor of Mankind, also referred to, as, uh, referred to by his faithful... Um, 
by God Emperor, the Master of Humanity, or simply the Emperor, um, and who sometimes referred to himself as the Revelation, um, and is known to the forces of chaos as the False Emperor or the Corpse Emperor, um, is the immortal, immortal, perpetual, and psyker who serves as the reigning monarch of the Imperium of Man. Um, yeah. Um, so, Jude, you called him an immortal perpetual. What's that, Jude? I'm glad you asked, Jimmy. Uh, um, so, thanks, Jimmy. a perpetual... Um, classic Jimmy. Yeah, classic. classic Jimmy. So, a perpetual is a being in 40k that I will talk about a little bit more in a different episode because once again there's already enough information in this all you need to know about them in this they are a somewhat mutated being <laughs> more mutants um that they have kind of untapped their cellular regeneration to the point where they will infinitely regenerate their cells it's kind of like wolverine's healing factor in the sense where wolverine is kind of functionally immortal in the sense where he just keeps regenerating um and like you know, you find there's comics, correct me if I'm wrong about the Wolverine's come back from some pretty... He's come back from, like, one cell, hasn't yeah. he? That's kind of the vibe of Perpetuals in the universe of 40k. They just are kind of immortal beings that will just cellular, regenerate themselves on a cellular level. Um, can, I, can I ask, when you say mutant, yep. because, like, I when I hear the word mutant, <clears throat> I often associate <clears throat> it with, like, a natural mutation, right? Whereas, yep. like, if I hear... If something's been, like done it's like a an augmented being you know what i mean so how many of these mm, mutants mm. are like i know we talked about the people that people killed before that they're mutants are these guys like yep. augmented purposefully or are they are they still mutants like purposefully augmented okay yes. okay i, I feel like yeah. that's slightly different because they're like a purpose yeah. in the, you know yeah yeah um i believe it is perpetuals conk the, the the knowledge to create them either I'm pretty sure the knowledge to create them doesn't exist anymore. Um, they were kind of a one off thing, um, and they were kind of connected to the warp, I believe. The but way these anyway. guys respect information, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, probably burnt it. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, a very powerful psyker and a perpetual. Um, the chaos gods and the demons of the warp. So if you remember, we talked a little bit about the chaos gods last time we did Warm Fantasy. So you got Papa Nurgle, who's like the uh, diseases and decay and Mama stuff. Mamma mia, Papa Nurgle. Mama. I do like Papa Nurgle. Papa Nurgle. I'm just imagining. Great on Queen One, my beloved. Now, I was going to say he was like diseased big boy. Now I'm just imagining like a, a mafia boss. Yeah. Uh, then we've got like Corn, who's the blood god, skulls and death and wrath, that sort of thing. And blood for the Zinch. blood god. That exactly. That's another classic quote. Then you've got Zinch, who's like the secrets and arcane stuff. And then you've got Slanesh. Secrets for the Zinch like... God. And then you've got Slanesh, who's all about like sex and passion. And sex for the Slinch God. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, sex in here. I imagine they're all Boston Mafia now. <laughs> every one of them are a different yeah. like Mafia member. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking uh, over here. <laughs> I'm fucking. <laughs> it's, it's like. I got, I got a lot of he. There's the the blood god. He's like, I gotta kill him. I gotta knock him. Just fucking, just gotta kill him. Like knock him out. There's, what's the middle one? Sorry, what's the third one? This uh, Zinch secrets. Yeah, that guy kind of knows shit. He, he, if you need to know something, he knows it. He's got a guy who knows, knows a guy who knows a guy. You know what I mean? Finish. She's horny. <laughs> what about it? 
Anyway. And the disease um, guy, we don't want. Jimmy's just been sitting there for 20 years. We haven't moved yeah. him. We just feed him. <laughs> Jude wants to kill. So the Chaos Gods and the Demons of the Warp refer to the Emperor as the Anathema, um, for he is literally the greatest um, embodiment of universal order in the galaxy and is the pretty much the one and only singular foe in the entire cosmos of Warhammer and GW's creation that the Chaos Gods actually fear. Um, He was and remains the most powerful human psyche to have ever been born. How do you spell it? Hmm? How do you spell their name? The Emperor. Oh, the Emperor. Oh, I missed that. I thought it was another name. Sorry. No, that's all good. Yeah, they refer to him as the anathema. Anathema is just like a word for like big opposing force, that sort of thing. If you type in anathema, it'll autocorrect it. (laughs) To be fair, he's fucking Um, dead and uh, he just appears in their realm like a spooky ghost. And it's like, get the fuck out of here, man. What the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) Um, So I have a quote. Um, I'll say, guy, it's not so much a quote, more just a descriptor. Um, so I can give my voice a break. Um, this is um, just a bit of a description you can give us about the Emperor Making in his current state. The guy keeps muting his mic so I don't get heard coughing. Great. I know. <sighs> and I'm going to do a fucked up voice for this as well. So I'm going to ruin my vocal. I'm not going to talk by the end of this episode. It's okay. He has sat immobile, his body slowly crumbling within the golden throne of terror for over 10,000 standard years. Metric or imperial? Um, (laughs) Although once a living man, his shattered, decayed body can no longer support life, and it is kept intact only by the cybernetic mechanisms of the golden throne and a potent mind itself sustained by the daily sacrifice of thousands of lives. Also, clearly Imperial Years is the Empire guy. Come on. That's true. Yeah, he's right. He's right. <laughs> I do love how um, I looked up the Emperor mm. and I have three different heads on him. He's like a big golden guy in a big golden suit sitting on a throne most of the time. And there's... <laughs> Henry Cavill, very hot, very cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's Julius Caesar, I see. Yep, uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> the three stages of man. He's like, I'm just imagining, he's continuously rotting. That's the stage. Yeah. He restarted with Henry Cavill, <laughs> then he got to do and now he's Elon Musk. <laughs> Fuck. Um... So anyway, the Emperor chose to sacrifice his immortal life at the end of the Horus Heresy, which is a big era of rebellion, which we will talk a little bit about later, um, in the service and protection of mankind. To humanity's countless trillions across the galaxy spanning Imperium, he is nothing less than a god. Through his Imperium, humanity is united and remains one of the most powerful intelligent species in the Milky Way galaxy, as well as its most dominant in terms of both population and territory held. United under one government, mankind is able to survive the myriad deadly threats it faces from aliens, uh, the forces of chaos, the traitors, heretics, and mutants that lie within the Imperium's boundaries. The Imperium's rule, carried on in the Emperor's name since the end of the heresy um, by the High Lords of Terror and a multitude of Imperial organizations, has been long, oppressive, and necessarily harsh, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, it has also resulted in technological and cultural stagnation and a repression into tyranny, superstition, and religious obfuscation and intolerance that would have horrified the Emperor were he still alive. But hey, it's all in his name, right? Oh, that's um, kind of sad. Yep. 
Yep, we'll get into it. No, his whole thing when he was still go. his his whole thing when he was still alive and creating the universe was I am not a god, do not worship me as a god. I am not a god, do not worship me as a god. Hey so guys, what do I they found do? a the god minibies? over here. <laughs> um though he um so every time the Emperor's mentioned it's capital H for he, obviously. Uh though he is no longer responsive to external stimuli, the Emperor still lies at the very heart of the Imperium's continued existence. Although he cannot be directly involved in the day-to-day running of humanity's galactic government, his existence on the Golden Throne is vital to sustaining the Imperium. Um, since his powerful mind's presence in the Immaterium maintains and directs the Astronomicon, the powerful psychic beacon, which we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the maintenance of this beam requires the sacrifice. Um, so there is different, this is kind of the point where I was going to say, there's varying numbers depending which source you go off of. Some people say, oh, hundreds of psychers every day. Some people say thousands. Some people say exactly 1,000 psychers a day die to maintain him. I like the idea that it's exactly 1,000, but nice. I don't know. That seems a um, lot of fucking maintenance, I'll be honest. I know, right? Um, he's well. Oh, they yeah, may yeah, well, be. Sorry, quickly. I'm not going to yeah. make any implications. You don't know how old they are. Um, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, it seems like a lot of maintenance until you realize it's for billions of planets and an uncountable number of people. Guy, the, yep. the, the, yeah. the bloody, the bloody bureaucracy of getting all these, getting all these, finding that they're psychically powered, getting them. Uh, if their parents don't like run away with them, that'd be annoying, you know what I mean? And then taking them, putting them on a spaceship, and then getting them to the Emperor's planet, and then fucking feeding them to them. Like, I feel like this is just a, such a Every process, day. Oh, know? it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. But if they don't do it, the entire Empire collapses. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he is said to still um, guide his race through the phys- uh, psychically reactive divinization tool. Um... So supposedly some psychers can consult the mind of the Emperor and find some glimpse of his will. Though, of course, my a lot of people believe that is just simply the excuse for the Inquisition to go, ah, the Emperor's will says we should do this, boys, let's gonna, do it. I was going to say, does he, like, um, know? I thought he was, like, going to be horrified at what the what the galaxy is or sees now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's that, it's, that... It's just an excuse for people to go, ah, our psychers are tapping into the Emperor. They know, yeah. they know what he wants. It's like that multi-millionaire dog. Are you aware of that? Some lady was mm. very rich and she willed all of her money to her dog and now there's just a stream of people who take care of it and they all just like are like, yes, the dog wants me to have a Bugatti. <laughs> yeah. He wants to drive um. around in the Bugatti. He also <laughs> wants this multi-million dollar mansion and for strippers to dance for him. <laughs> it's not I for me. Yeah. I put two boxes into him. One had treats and a Bugatti named in it and one had nothing. Yeah. He went for the Bugatti. <laughs> um... So, his mind must remain vigilant at all times throughout the entire Imperium to safeguard the human race and to offer his protection to the faithful, supposedly. Above all else, it is mankind's collective belief in the Emperor's divinity that serves as its greatest protection from chaos and the other hideous um, dangers that plague the galaxy. As the Imperial Creed has taught for over 10,000 years, the Emperor protects. So, there is a lot of belief that part of the reason he's such a powerful psyker is because everyone in the galaxy believes in him and he has so much belief and faith behind him whether or not that's true who knows for certain but that is also the imperial creed that teaches that and we know what they like it's kind of convenient to keep it keep it going (laughs) sure is huh um oh yeah the dude that spent his entire life saying he doesn't want to be worshipped like a god i think it's really important that we worship him and it was what he would want was he was he powerful as a psych guy when in life yes okay then you kind of got the no perpetually clearly no (laughs) 
So as I mentioned at the start, um, there are definitely a lot of people in this world that can live for a very long time, and psychers kind of become more powerful the longer they live, and the more in tune to the warp they get. The Emperor, part of the reason he's such a powerful psyker is because he has been alive for so long, he kind of just gets perpetually more powerful the longer he lives. He's um, also kind of living in the demon realm, he's not living in real life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, okay, can, uh, can he interact we... with demons? Um, hard. It, we don't really know in his current. Can state. anyone using the psychic realm talk to or interact with demons? Because they're kind of going through this. Yes, they can. Ooh, I, I like to imagine that he's, he instead of when he's not like talking to people, maybe he's not even doing that. I like to imagine the the actual spirit of the emperor is actually just fucking with the the god demons, just like hey, you yeah, fucker, yeah. I'm here again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to yeah. dive too much into it, but I do appreciate that in some fantasy it's very convenient that the older people get the worse they get at something like there's a peak like a lot of fighting mm. styles and stuff you know you get the old master who's not quite up to being the fighter anymore but he can teach the new ones i like mm. the older you get the more powerful you are straight up this fucking 80 year old does not have time to teach anyone because he is too busy kicking ass <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah it does it is it is interesting like that you know god um so on to our next thing, which is, of course, the Great Crusade. Um, so to really simplify here, um, this is a long. This is the 10,000 years ago. So you remember I said 20,000 years ago, humanity spread out across the stars, and then I said 10,000 years ago, the Emperor founded... Oh, the yeah, the law to the law. I get it. Yep. So humanity has spread everywhere. It's... All over the place. The stars are ruled by elder races and powerful alien species we may one day talk about on this podcast. And humanity is just that silly little rodent race that breeds and spreads annoyingly fast using their stupid warp travel that is making them crazy and turn into demons or whatever. And they're still using it's a bunch a... of uh, technology they will have access to, right? Yeah. They're basically using all the same tech they have now. But in the grand scheme of things, they're a minor nuisance that the other races just don't care enough about to kill them all. Mm-hmm. Then, chaos happens. Um, there is a massive warp event called the Age of Strife, during which the um, warp, the Neiman Realm, basically kind of explodes, um, and during this stage, the warp becomes completely impossible to use for travel, and long-distance communication completely falls apart. In reality, there is a much greater war going on between the Chaos Demons and the Elder Aces, but for humanity, it was way too small to be involved. <coughs> um, so to humanity, all this is, is effectively the Dark Ages, the Space Age Dark Ages, um, where they had this sprawling empire of connected planets and lords and everything that all of a sudden just had a complete outage, and no one knew what was going on, no one could get anywhere, and the empire fell apart. Um, it's, like, it's, like, it's like when there's a big storm going outside, but your power's out. Yep. It's like, oh, fuck, my power's yep. out. But you don't worry about the storm outside. Yep. So that completely threw... And then that meant there were people that had just settled on brand new planets that had no access to new technology. <laughs> thus why humans all over the universe are in completely different parts. Um, so as this eventually came to an end, one man stood up to unite the main world, Terra, Earth, um, somewhere in the year 30,000-ish. Um, he saw a reunified and safe human empire. So, um, his first step to that was to unify the new capital, which he did. 
Um, he was a very powerful psyker with access to the warp once again. Um, he is one of the first people to discover they could use the warp again. Um, and that gave him a big leg up. A leg up. And then he had a vision. A powerful augmented race of humans that could be his unstoppable army to go across the stars, reunify the, king, uh, the Imperium, um, and then conquer new places. That would be the Space Marines. That seems horrible. Uh, yep. Uh, first off, he would need the leaders, the generals, and the superhero figures of his army. These would be the Primarchs. Um, so, he went to the best possible place to go for knowledge. Can you guess what that is? Ohio. What are you he went to the Chaos Gods. on about? <laughs> Made um, Ohio joke. <laughs> and the Chaos Gods agreed to give him the secrets to genetic modification. For reasons. Yeah. Um... Don't worry about it. They, there's no reason they gave him this. Um, and so he just went he and asked, and like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good today. Here you go. Ever heard the uh, term "monkey's paw," Matt? No. That's very sad. No, I know, I know, I know, what, I know what it is. But like, usually, monkey's paw is like still you are getting wishes from like a. This is like directly a, a bad guy. You know what I mean? No, he's getting the wishes. Like he's getting the wish. He's getting the wish that he gets genetic modification and makes his giant army. He just doesn't realize it's going to turn into. The heresy. thing that it turns um, into. <laughs> so, um, this is when he began the creation of the Gene Seed, which is the foundation of Space Marines. Um, so, Gene Seed is the colloquial term used amongst the uh, Space Marines for the genetic material that allows for the creation of the superhuman Space Marines. The Gene Seed is definitely a catch-all term for a whole bunch of cells and organs that are added. Um, so all of the gene seed was originally crafted in the 30th millennium, um, and the scientists of the biotechnical division in the Emperor's laboratories deep beneath the Himalayan mountains um, were using the genomes of the 20 Primarchs as a template, which we'll get to the Primarchs. But to talk about the gene seed itself, um, so the only... Actually, I'll start by saying the only difference between these gene seeds and the Primarchs is that the Primarchs are applied to a basis of kind of a mini clone of the Emperor. So they kind of get like a infant version of the Emperor and then apply this gene seed to them um, and then kind of tweak them to make them very specific roles. Just what the Emperor wanted, baby. (laughs) Well, this is what the Emperor's still alive. This, no, he does. He does. He wants his 20 sons to lead his army. This is what he wants. He is, in a sense, he is very much a crusader-era knight that wants to go on a holy crusade to the fallen lands of Jerusalem, but it's space Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to bring his many sons along with him. That is his goal. This is looking more um, and, more and he wants to... Half and up. And he wants to reunite the holy empire of man. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, great, right? Not the holy so, Roman empire. I'm going to spitfire through these organs, because there's a lot of them. Um, so the first one, first part of the gene seed, is the secondary heart. Um, it is the least difficult of the 19 gene seed organ implants. Um, it is effectively just a smaller version of a human heart that is implanted into the chest cavity and connected to the rest of the... Um, I'll use the word neophyte a lot here. This is just someone that's being initiated into the Space Marines. Um, so it is connected to the rest of the neophyte's circulatory and pulmonary systems near the original heart. Its function is to enhance the performance of the space marine by supplying more oxygen and nutrients to the muscles by increasing blood flow well beyond that capable of even the most fit normal human being. 
The secondary heart can often save a space marine's life in combat. In the event of combat damage or failure of a space marine's original heart, the secondary heart is usually capable of pumping enough blood to keep them going until they can be treated by a field medic. Where do they keep it? Next to their other heart. That's that's a dumb move. Move it. Put it in like, put it in yes. in like um, lower belly. You know what I mean? I feel like if you stab stabbed in the heart, it hit both. <laughs> Once again, I'm going to keep going through these. Um, the osmodula. The osmodula, also called the Iron Heart, is the second gene seed organ. Um, this implant, surgically placed alongside the neophyte's pituitary gland at the base of the brain, um, it thus becomes a part of the Space Marine's endocrine system. Uh, it secretes a, spe- a specially engineered form of human growth hormone. When the effects of this hormone are combined with a diet laced with microscopic ceramic-based materials, they act to synthesize the rapid growth of a Space Marine's skeletal muscular system, which results in the Space Marine's superhuman strength and massive size compared to a baseline human yep they have bits of ceramic built into their muscles and get bones um two whole years after surgery to implant the osmodula is completed the neophyte space marine skeleton will be larger and exponentially stronger than a completed um stronger than a regular human um and they will be anywhere between seven and a half feet and eight feet tall with the equivalent amount of uh, muscular and skeletal mass um, during this time, the rib cage will fuse into a solid mass of near bulletproof interlaced bone plates. Uh, the resulting structure protects the space marine's internal organs from damage in the way a normal hu- human skeleton never could, but it does have the price of making it extraordinarily difficult for a medic to perform surgery on a space marine's body cavity. <laughs> they have to really get in there. I love how they're um, just very big boys now. I know, right? They are just absolute space chads and I hate it. Um, so, Bioscopia, um, also, uh, called the Forge of Strength, is the third one. Um, it enhances a Space Marine's physical combat ability and survivability to superhuman levels should he live to become a full Space Marine of a chapter. This organ is implanted into the chest cavity. It is a small, approximately spherical, and, like the Osmodula, its primary action is hormonal. The presence of the Bioscopia stimulates muscle growth throughout the body, greatly increasing their physical strength. Um, bit of a boring one, whatever. Um, the next one is, uh, called the blood maker. It is the fourth, uh, gene seed, uh, once implanted into the main blood vessel, um, like the aorta, the femoral artery, or the vena cava. Um, the blood maker alters Nastati's space marine's blood biochemical composition to carry oxygen and nutrients much more efficiently. Let's go. Makes sense, right? Blood maker Um, makes blood. I'm on board, baby. (laughs) Yep. Uh, next one is the Laramans organ, um, also called the healer. I wonder what this one does. Um, shaped like the human liver, but only the size of a golf ball, this gene seed organ is placed within the chest cavity for some reason. Why not, right? Um, and manufactures the synthetic biological cells known as Laramans cells that were named after one of the researchers in the Emperor's original gene teams, because why not? Um, I'm glad that one of the original ones made them bigger because they wouldn't have enough space to put all this shit otherwise. <laughs> Correct. Um, there's a reason that those ones have to happen near the start. God damn. Um, these biosynthetic cells serve the same uh, physiological purpose um, to a space marine as a normal human body's platelets. So it serves to just basically increase their production of um, platelets for blood clotting from wounds. To put it really, really simply. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is the um, Catalaspian node, also called the unsleeping. 
Um, so this one is implanted into the back of the cerebrum, just above the brainstem. Uh, when deprived of sleep for a long period of time, the catalaspian node cuts in upon detecting a rise of the space marine's stress and fatigue hormones. This allows them to consciously switch off sections of the brain sequentially while remaining awake and alert. This ability comes at a price, as prolonged use of this ability can be hazardous, possibly inducing hallucinations or even psychosis. Um, this, this implant bears a resemblance. I know, right? Uh, bears resemblance to ancient scientific theory as to how um, crustaceans, cetaceans, cetaceans. Wow, crustaceans. No, um, dolphins, mammals. Yeah. Um, sleep shut it because there's, there's there's mammals in our world that sleep shutting off parts of their brain at a time. Yeah, that's sharks the idea do that. of this. Yeah, I think um, too, but no sharks do it. Pre the preomena, um, also called the neutralizer, is the seventh gene seed. Um, this one is essentially a second or pre-stomach spliced into the human digestive system um, above the original stomach that allows space marines to eat otherwise poisonous or completely indigestible materials. Why not, right? Um, the omophagia um, is the eighth gene seed. I hate this one. Um, the omophagia is compl- is implanted into the spinal cord and then wired into the central nervous system, so that that is it is directly attached to the cerebral cortex and to the stomach. It allows space marines to gain part of an indi- individual person or creature's memory by eating its flesh. Let's fucking go! That sounds so <laughs> know, cool. Right? Um, that is this the dumbest thing I've heard is... in my fucking life. How much of flesh? How much? Do they need the brain? Can it just be? If I eat your this finger, do I know what you think? Is imp- this this special organ is implanted between the thoracic vertebrae and the stomach wall, and is designed to absorb information and any DNA, RNA, or protein sequences related to the experience or memory. That doesn't make hey, any ex- sense. What the fuck? A memory's from- not in the DNA. What do you mean? From experience. No, that no, no. It's, it's the R. It's <laughs> fucking true. It, 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 it's, it's the RNA and proteins, man. Don't worry about it. Um, you I can have see to you eat the brain, and that's not even. That's, it's, a, it's a science. It's like the the the, <laughs> the, the, the electrical you, pulses and paths through the clearly, brain. Doesn't clearly, make any sense. Clearly, you clearly, don't understand never studied biology. biology. <sighs> um, the multi lung. That's probably the most bombastic and ridiculous of all of them. I will say. Uh, the multi lung, also called. Oh no, that was it. Uh, no, no, that's the worst. Okay. I would say the rest of them. The rest, okay. That one is just like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> At least the rest of them are like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. But like, sure, maybe I guess whatever. <laughs> yeah, like um, I could see advanced science being able to do this versus like, uh, 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 no, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That contradicts um, everything we know right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, multi-lung, um, also called, uh, uh, I'm not going to say that one, uh, the, the ninth one, uh, the multi-lung is a third lung implanted into a space marine's pulmonary and circulatory system in the chest cavity, more in the chest cavity, that is able to absorb oxygen from environments usually too poor in oxygen to allow the humans to breathe it. Um, breathing is accomplished through a sphincter implanted into the trachea, allowing all three lungs to be used at full capacity. Nice. These guys are just um, cramming in organs at this point. They're just like, fucking they, get These guys have literally got the biggest chest. It does not make sense. <laughs> um, in toxic environments, a similar muscle closes off the normal lungs. Thus, oxygen is absorbed exclusively by the multi-lung, which then filters out poisonous or toxic elements. Um, so they can just kind of go into an automatic gas, gas mask feature. Why not, right? The multi-lung has highly just efficient toxin dispersal systems. Um, the oculobe. 
um, also called the eye of vengeance. Um, this implant sits at the base of the brain after being implanted along the optic nerve and is connected to the retina and provides hormonal and genetic stimuli which enable the space marine's eye to see an incredibly low light and near darkness. Mm. It's better vision. Mm, um, not a fan of that. That doesn't make sense. Yep. Um, yeah, Lyman's like, ear. I think... Also called the sentinel not only does this implant improved um implants improved inner ear structure make a space marine immune to dizziness or motion sickness but allows space marines to consciously filter out and greatly enhance certain sounds over the capabilities of normal human hearing they get active noise control hell yeah that new headphone feature you know but it's built into your ear <laughs> it's, it's what i'm looking forward to when i become old where i have hearing yeah. aids and just turn them exactly. off i'm just like <laughs> exactly you annoy me I'm not listening oh, to this. I, have, I have airpods and they're so good you can just like z- zoom yeah. out zoom out of the world but it, i feel like you don't need airpods to do that man <laughs> it's true the the retina thing that's not i can go, like, like that's not how eyes work they're built yes. different don't um, worry about it built different like if they replaced um, their eyes if they the took out one, their eyes and put new the ones next in one. i can get it but like, the <laughs> next one the next one guy's gonna love the sus and the membrane sus um, that, that is the only reason you'll like it it is also called the hibernator it is initially implanted into like the neophyte's too. cranium um, this membrane is eventually merge, uh, eventually merges with the recipient's cerebrum becoming a full part of their neural architecture nice. the organ's functions are ineffective without follow up chemical therapy and training by the apothecaries but with sufficient practice and instruction a space marine can use this implant to basically put themselves into a coma um, so if they are suffered enough wounds they can kind of just command their sus and membrane to put them into a coma so the medics can get to them that's great that's great emergency shutdown Um, feature (laughs) emergency shutdown yeah what's that Um, it's like like you're going to a big enough sleep that they think you're dead and then you'll just recover later you know yep yeah um next one melanchrome uh melanchrome um is also called the skin shield uh, this hormonal implant is attached to the human lymphatic system and controls the amount of melanin in a space marine's skin. Exposure to high levels of sunlight will result in space marine's skin naturally darkening to compensate. It also protects the space marine from other forms of electromagnetic radiation. Different levels of radiation cause variations of skin color to, uh, from different chapters um, due to mutations in their gene seed based on planets they grew up on. So their skin color will just kind of change depending on their surroundings. That's incredible. The space hmm. marines may be racist, but they're not racist. <laughs> exactly. It's like they're they're not racist at all, but fuck those aliens. We've gone past racist. We're specious now. <laughs> It's, it's like yeah. those, you know ever seen those like glasses that are that are clear unless you go into the sun then they turn to sunglasses yeah. they're just it's literally those. that yeah yeah they're bad uh, next one is the um ulitic kidney the ulitic kidney God um, also damn. Is the purifier i know right they get everything new um it is implanted within a new space point. marine's abdominal cavity and becomes part of the space marine's execute um excretory system an emergency detoxification organ that allows a space marine to survive um exposure through the respiration tactile contact basically this is a thing to get rid of poison and toxins they already have um, one of those the multi-lung already does that this is this does even more though. um <laughs> the backup Lotus, systems guy um, backup is systems. the 15th it is implanted within a space marine's upper nasal passages and after its functioning um chewing tasting or smelling a substance uh space marine can biochemically test it for toxicity and nutritional content essentially determining if a substance is edible or poisonous 
Let me let me analyze this. Um, the muraconoid, also called the weaver, is implanted within the central nervous system and responds to specific chemical stimuli in the environment, causing the space marine to secrete a waxy protein substance similar to mucus through his pores that seals his skin. The next one is the one that I fucking hate. Um, the Betcher's gland, also known as the poisonous bite, is the 17th, consisting of two small okay, glands that are implanted into multiple locations. Fun. At this point, they're just like, they are. no, let's fucking have a fucking what poisonous fuck bite, baby. Guys? But don't be mutants, though, um, that are implanted into multiple locations inside their mouth, including the inside of the lower lip, in the saliv- um, salivary glands, or in the hard palate. Uh, these two glands, working in tandem, transform their saliva into a corrosive, blinding acid when consciously triggered. Consciously triggered. Uh, this allows a space screen to spit a wad of corrosive acid with the effect of blinding, wounding, or even killing an enemy. Delightful. I'm doing a lot of shoulder shrugging for people that don't have the video. Mm-hmm. Um, the nearly last one, um, the progenoid glands. The progenoid glands, also known as the simply as the gene seed. The um, gene seed. Every space marine has a pair of these organs. They are implanted into the neck and another into the chest. These organs um, hormonally respond to the presence of the other implanted organs. And they basically begin creating stem cells with DNA identical to those implants uh, through a process very similar to cellular mitosis. So they're just kind of like a... We need something to produce cells for all these new organs because the body doesn't know how to deal with them. No, I love that. That's actually a very good point that a lot of, like, things... Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's actually not bad. Um, Because everything in our body sheds naturally. So you got to... If you don't want this thing to decay... I need something that knows how to replace it. Thumbs up. That's a dub for the emperor. It's actually not bad. Then the last one is called the black carapace. Um, Also known as the interface, it is the last and one of the most important of all the gene seed implants a space marine neophyte will receive. Um, It is effectively a neuroreactive black organic fibrous material that is uh, implanted directly under the skin of their torso. Points are then cut through the carapace by an apothecary using surgical tools that allow space marines to directly interface through their central nervous system into their power armor. Win. Mm. So it's basically just like a... It's basically making them into mini cyborgs. They can, like, Um, mind face with face with the... It's kind of like the Pacific Rim where they go into it and they, like... They gotta wield the the, the thing and it kind of... It's like the Matrix. Exactly. They got the plugs in them. Yeah. Exactly. All I'm hearing, um, all of this, just being like that. That you know, you know the movie Robots, where the guy's like, mm. "Upgrades, baby, upgrades." Yeah. <laughs> very much. Very much. They do occasionally add new features as well, which is kind of funny. Um. Oh, so, God. um, on to the last segment, um, the Primarchs. Yep. Um. So. <laughs> The Primarchs were the 20 genetically engineered transhuman sons of the Emperor of Mankind created in the late 30th millennium. They were intended to be the immortal and superhuman generals and proconsuls who would command the Emperor's great crusade to reunite the scattered human race beneath his leadership. The genomes later served as the genetic templates from which he crafted his 20 space marine legions. So... The Primarchs were bred to be the perfect generals, warriors, and statesmen, larger, stronger, faster, and smarter than anyone could possibly hope to be. 
They possessed a potent charisma and martial prowess that mm. made them like the mythical gods of old, mm. untouchable by disease, old age, or supposedly the petty failings of lesser men. That doesn't age well. Um, each embodied an aspect of war. One was the greatest strategist ever known, another was the uh, another was the personification of the terror war, a third was a master of psychic powers, a fourth was a great practitioner of the arts of fortification, and so on. They each served a very direct purpose. How did they, like, uh, the primarchs, how did they do that? Like, they're all the exact same. Genetically, they're the exact same. Genetic modification. So they did... What are the, what's different about them, then? Genetic okay. modification. The defensive guy looks like a fortress. That's what he's, he's... He's like the stone guy. What's the the thing? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> and then the strategist um, is a fucking nerd. They gave him glasses and some books. <laughs> no, he's yeah. got... It's Megamind. He's fucking... What's... Bra yeah. Brainiac? Is that what his name is? Um, well, like I say, they, 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 they each receive 20 different gene seeds. These guys. Yes. So they get slightly different ones that then the other legions are based off of. It is interesting. I do... <clears throat> I am imagining if you guys have seen... Have you guys seen Spy Kids 3? Oh, God, no. Spy Kids 3, there's a scene where... Um, oh, my God, I've got the name of the actor. The guy who plays... Yeah, yeah. No, this is perfect. This has blocked you from being able to make this reference. The guy who plays Rocky. What's his... Um... Do you remember the character name but not the actor? No, no, the guy who plays Rocky. What's the actor's name? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, right. You're making a different reference to the one I thought Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy is... He plays, like... Clones of themselves. Sylvester Stallone is who you. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. He plays clones, and they're oh, all like right. dressed up differently, and they're all different. They have, they have yeah. different jobs, and yeah. it's very funny. It's, I'm just imagining that. So one's oh, on the side. Oh right, and, yes. For context, yeah. for people who haven't seen Spy Kids three, Sylvester Stallone plays all the villains who take various forms of the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm I imagining see. right now. But one this, of them's okay. a big nerdy scientist. One of them's a general. One of them's a yeah. So yes, very much like this, except. This is way more fucked up, but go on. There's <laughs> just big, a couple um, big buff boys in, in, in a room just talking to each other, you know? Yes. Um, so, anyway, um, the idea, the Primarchs were the Emperor's answer to reclaiming all the lost worlds of mankind and welcoming them into his new empire. Um, the Emperor intended to raise his sons to be the best military commanders and political leaders in human history. They were to bring the Imperial truth to the rest of the human settled galaxy in their father's name, serving as his generals and proconsuls. Um, but we will talk in a very, very generalised way here about the Legions themselves and their Primarchs. It's kind of contentious for some, um, but there's a little bit of a... We don't... We don't know specifically which Primarch was meant to do every individual thing. Um, so it's a little bit contentious with some of them, but this is a fairly commonly agreed on take for most of them. Okay. Um, so, the Dark Angels. Um, their tactical specialization um, was um, multiple forces and multiple specializations. So they have different wings, so they'll have like fast moving unit they're, they're all about like very specialized forces to do a very particular task kind of like the special forces i guess in that sense um their primarch was an absolute fucking chad of a man called lionel johnson um and he is a bit obsessed with lions um oh, actually i may have to I had a thing later in the script. I may actually have to move up now because it's going to make no sense if I say it later. Mm -hmm. So the Primarchs, the Emperor had the 20 of them that he was developing. And when they were babies, the Chaos Gods came to do what they wanted to do when they gave him the secrets. And they 
kidnapped all 20 of them. Well, if it, if, if it isn't just the, the consequences of my own actions coming to bite me in the ass. Coming back to bite me, yeah. And the 20 Primarchs were scattered throughout the universe, landing on random human <laughs> colonized planets um, as babies. Great. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a Superman um, origin story right there. Legit. <laughs> um, so the Dark Angels are the first chapter. Um, their boss, Lionel Johnson, the planet that he landed on was a very medieval jungle-esque planet. And he kind of... You'll see a very recurring theme where these guys, no matter where they land, they kind of end up making themselves into great leaders of this kingdom. You say babies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you implying that they had all those fucking organs put in them as infants? Oh, it's a no! Very, it's a very big baby guy. It's a big baby! It's a big baby. <laughs> the Primarchs. The Primarchs. Well, not quite literal time. Maybe more like toddlers by this point, but still. Still less than, like, ten, presumably. Yeah. He's a yeah. big baby. He's um, a big baby. Yeah, look. So, Michael Johnson. Um, he, so, yeah, so that's kind of their focus. He ends up being um, really kind of like the Knight's he kind of makes the Knights Templars on his planet and becomes like a King Arthur-like figure that he then bases his legion around. Um, So the thing we'll talk about with him now, so he's one of the first ones that gets discovered. And basically, the Emperor, after he loses his Primarchs, he gets the basic um, beta um, Space Marines and just starts his conquest with them, hoping to find the Primarchs as he goes. And it turns into a little bit of a fetch quest where he discovers them. Um... And as he finds each one of them, he goes, I am your father. You are <laughs> oh, my no. son. Here is your army that I have built for you. Serve me. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of fun stories where he like has to convince each of them individually why they should join him. But, he throws the old Vader like at him. <laughs> yeah, join me like and say, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Um, so we are going to skip right from one to three. Mm-hmm. Three is the Emperor's Children. Um, their whole thing is perfection and they are very perfect. Uh, their whole thing is direct assault. Um, they were dedicated to perfect combined arms, kind of like a World War II German-esque blitzkrieg tactic, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, their Primarch was a man by the name of Fulgrim um, and his whole thing was obsession with perfection and um, really prideful, that sort of thing. Um, the next one, number four, is the Iron Warriors. These ones are all about siege warfare on the offensive. They are about breaking fortresses. Um, they could build them, but they are much better at breaking them. Um, their Primarch is a man named Perturabo, who is the master of siege. Um, it is also explained in one of his private books, um, that one of the reasons why the Iron Warriors campaigns, um, and why they sustain more losses than other legions is that the emperor generally chooses them for very difficult missions and perturabo embodies tenacity in this sense in this aspect yes he's not his father's favorite i can see that he is not his father's favorite also um mm. no i was gonna say so did these guys because they seem to have like kind of found their thing before they even got to their dad maybe that's in the genetics that was kind of like they were yeah instinctually doing these things did their father, when Very they made him, so. went like, nah, that's actually not what I planned for you. you got to be doing this instead? Or was it more like just let There's him? a little bit of happy middle ground where he goes, oh, you've become that. I always thought you'd be that. But let's maybe make you that. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> They're just fucking around with hormones. They're just pressing the sliders up and down yeah. and going, yeah, it looks right. Ship it. It's like, it's um, like saying, well, 
I wanted you to be a doctor, but you kind of want to be an artist. How about we settle for like a Music software therapist. designer, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. You're yeah. doing some art stuff, but you actually have money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the next one is the White Scars. They are the Fifth Legion. Um, their whole specialty is mobile hit and run warfare and mounted combat. Um, what are you mounting? Jakarti... They've got fucking, they've got fucking big well, robot boys. Um, Jakarti Khan um, is the Primarch of this Legion, um, and the the Great Khan he is called. Um, he is he is all about freedom and independence more than anything. Um, and he ultimately rose to power in a world that's a very, very medieval pike, pike warfare sort of world. And he joined a group of people that were exiled and picked on by the nobility of this world. And he ended up becoming a mounted leader with like this horse army behind him and kind of getting rid of the nobility on this world. And then the emperor rocked up with all his spaceships and was like, oh, so do you guys want to trade your horses for motorbikes? <clears throat> and that's what they did. Of course you fucking did. Hey, out of, out of interest, do they have... Like, I know they put, like, 20 organs in there. I assume that they did. But they put a tracker in there, right? They're not just, like, being like, hmm, general vibes off this planet. No? They're so fucking no? dumb. Sorry, you landed well, we on the planet. we didn't know they were going to get kidnapped, did yeah, he? No, but, but also like- at the same time, like... He's landing on the planet and looking around and being like, damn, nobility over here, there's the thing. Oh, is it a pressed gag? Oh, that guy on the horse? Really? Unfortunately, right, sure. they kind of make a lot of noise wherever they land. Okay. What um, sort of so fucking one... horse can this guy can this guy can carry this man? <laughs> I need to see this horse. <laughs> well, he's quite young when he conquers he's, the world. So. He's on a, he's on the biggest horse he can find. He's like ten. He's like the only carrier. <laughs> I mean, legit though. Um, the next one is the Space Wolves. Uh, they are all about shock assault um, and just complete total war. Um, they're also kind of seen as the Emperor's kill switch to an extent. Um, so Lehman Russ is their Primarch, and he is known as the Emperor's Executioner. Um, in addition to being tasked of punishing some of the other legions and Primarchs when... Ooh, and from uh, punishing some of the other Primarchs when they misbehave, it is potentially hinted that the reason why we do not have a second and 11th legion you may have noticed i skipped over them is because lieben russ was asked to execute them at some point in his life um so that's one of the great mysteries of warhammer that we don't really know what happened to those legions that are missing anyway um so he is all about rage and the warrior so the space wolves are very much like space vikings to put it really really simply um he kind of crash lands on this icy world gets raised by a pack of wolves and then these people come and murder the wolves and then he goes crazy and kills them all and then he protects the last two wolf cubs and they become like his eternal companions he makes them into immortals don't worry about it can i point Um, out though that the feral child archetype is usually like a scrungly little fucking guy who's like been running with the wolves you see the wolves come out in this fucking chat alpha child <laughs> fucking ripped yeah. as hell just walks out i'm fine don't worry about it also yeah. i love it there's just yep. fucking space wolves on this alien planet do they introduce them did they already be here space wolves baby uh they're big wolves don't worry space about wolves. it hey, hey, um, your green, your green latin episode had fucking space eagles and shit you yeah, but that was a cosmic fucking being, you know? Oh, yeah, it's a cosmic being. Um, <laughs> next one is the Imperial Fists. They are all about siege warfare on the defensive. 
um, holding and building fortifications, uh, basically the polar opposite of the Iron Warriors. Um, a lovely man named Rogel Dawn is the master of fortifications and defense. Um, this includes planning before a battle. Um, Rogel is known to be a stern man who embodies rigor and preparation. Um, when the Emperor finds him, he's already established his own empire with, like, two galaxies under its control- oh, not galaxies, um, two solar systems under its control, and then the Emperor finds him and goes, I'm your dad, and he goes, I know, and then they become best mates. Nice. True story. That's kind of cute. Hey, Iron Warriors versus versus these guys, who wins? Yeah, um, Unstoppable force immovable object? That's, yeah, these guys- We'll get into it. Nice. Um, the Night Lords are the next one. These are the awful people. They are terror tactics. They are all about scaring the enemy so badly they don't even want to fight. Um, Conrad Kurz is their Primarch. Um, he's he's a bit crazy. He has a little bit of divination to him. We like aren't quite Batman. sure why. Yes. Um, <laughs> and look, it's believed that he was kind of going to be the assassin slash terror warfare expert of the Emperor, but he ends up growing up on a crime world and kind of becomes a little bit of a Batman-like figure, except a nice. lot more bloody. Think like Vlad the Impaler meets Batman, that's kind of this guy. Nice. Um, so instead of just simply going out and seeking justice for himself, he'll do it by killing a crime lord and, like, skinning him and leaving his skin out for the whole city to see, that sort of thing, you know? Um, that's a win. Anyway, the Emperor finds him and is like, oh my god, you're my son. Um, the next one is the Blood Angels. They are all about shock assault and aerial combat. They were considered masters of the jetpack and planes, basically. Uh, more than any Primarch, um, we have Sanguinius, and he is the one that really represents perfection and charisma. Um, he encouraged Blood Angels to study arts, and as the Emperor is an idealization of mankind. He also has angel wings. Um, oh okay emperor. okay because no i was laughing just then because i was considering to myself my argument about mm. the hormones like yeah the, mm-hmm. the psychologically if you have gotten to such an advanced civilization you could figure out what hormones make people want to be aggressive or warfare based but defensively like hypothetically yep. maybe you could figure that out what maybe. fucking hormone dictates i want to fly but <laughs> giving him wings usually would probably do the trick it would it would <laughs> you fucking um, give him wings. i love it they got to the end and they're like one's... Mm, what should we make the the, the 17th one mm, fucking give him wings baby see what wings. that does <laughs> i also love the idea of the emperor getting to this planet be like mm, this planet's become really strong i bet one of my sons is here oh look at the chap with the wings that's him that's him um, that's my that's guy my boy. <laughs> Um, the next one are the Iron Hands. Um, so remember the name Iron Hands. Uh, they're all about mechanized warfare, tanks, that sort of stuff. Robots, whatever. Um, their Primarch's name, so their Iron Hands is their legion. Their Primarch's name is Ferris Manus. Literally Iron Hand. Win. Yeah. Um, nice. So the Iron Hands very much embody the idea of the flesh is weak. Um, and they literally start to use bionics to just replace parts of them. And Ferris Manus is always implied to be searching for an improvement to understand human nature and the body. Based, based, um, based. And he's all about perfectionism, but from a mechanical point of view. Um, Imagine the priests don't really like that. No, they do not. I. The more I hear about this... Uh... This emperor guy. The more I was like, originally I was like, oh, he, he had a terrible empire in the end, but like maybe he had a good vision in the start. No, he kind of had a shit vision at the start, and it got worse. Like it wasn't like it yeah. was like okay. Well, he, yeah. he had a good idea, and then it just got corrupted. He said like, he had a bad idea, and it got worse. It's pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> um, it's just like 
So, the next one is the World Eaters. Uh, This is the 12th Legion, because we're skipping the 11th, because we don't know what happened to them. Uh, The World Eaters are the real masters of Total War and Shock Assault. Kill them all, burn their homes, destroy their planets. They are led by Angron. Um, Angron is an interesting figure. He landed on the planet and was quickly brought into this gladiator-style kingdom where people would just buy gladiators and fight them against each other, and he became the best in the entire scene. Um, And he had this mentor that he fought alongside with, and then they one day said, all right, now, to complete your journey to become the greatest gladiator, you must kill your mentor. And he said, no, I cannot do that. So they took this ancient artifact called the Butcher's Nails and drilled them into his brain, and then he was forced to. And the Butcher's Nails are basically a creation of the Dark Age of Technology that, once they're in your brain, they... they release dopamine upon any hint of rage in your psyche. So they basically just make him into a complete rage monster Excellent. with no control. What the fuck? But interestingly, because people always go, oh, he's like the angry one of the group. Like, yes, but the fact that he actually manages to maintain some semblance of control to himself, a lot of people think means that his whole trait was meant to be extraordinarily strong willpower and the ability to control inner rage. Because the fact that he has this literal rage-causing device in his head and still manages to be somewhat sentient most of the time is kind of crazy. It's a very mm. good point. Mm. It's very, very Sith legend. You kind of kill. You have to kill your master yeah. to become what very you're meant to be. Very much so. Very but much also, so. I swear, like um, half of these the are Emperor... just like the ultimate destruction force. <laughs> just like, yeah, yep. that was the last guy. What the fuck? <laughs> yep. Um, when the Emperor found Angron, um, he just kind of led a gladiatorial uprising and was in the midst of destroying the nobility. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good sucks. point. If it's a gladiatorial planet, like, oh, we have a bunch of trained fighters, oh, this can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, um, too angry to die, conquers entire country. <laughs> no way. Um, so the next one is the Ultramarines. Uh, they are the classic blue boys. <clears throat> they are mixed warfare and restoration. Um, they were very good at repairing and restoring civilizations and planets they attacked. Um... Robot Gilliman also is their Primarch, and he is all about embodying planning and organization. Sorry, what's that first much... name? Uh, Robot. 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 Robot Gilliman. Sorry, Robot. I think technically it's Robote Gilliman. Is technically it? But <laughs> anyway, <yeah. clears throat> um, he is also in... so he's all about planning and organization. Um, and it is said that no world conquered by the Ultramarines ever revolted against the Imperium. So they are very good at establishing a good colony, basically. Very nice. Um, getting towards the end, the Death Guard, the next one. Um, they are chemical and biological warfare. Woohoo! War crimes, war crimes. <laughs> um, but they used bioweapons more often <laughs> than chemicals. I think all of these anyway. are war crimes. Like, none of these are good. Like, none of these yeah, are but... not war crimes. Um, not too much is said about Mortarion, who is their Primarch, um, but he is the representative of resilience and endurance. Um, when he is found by the Emperor, um, he is on a planet that has been taken over by necromancers that has got this deadly mist that kills everyone with plague, and he's resilient to the plague because of his multi-lung, and he's trying to lead an uprising against the necromancers, and then the Emperor comes down and Motarian says, I don't want you, you're not my real dad, um, to which the Emperor says, okay, tell you what, that big necromancer dude, you could never beat him in your current state. If you can go and beat him, I'll leave you alone forever. If you fail, I'll help you. He goes, he fails, the Emperor comes down and 
punches the dude to death for him and then Mortarion begrudgingly comes with the Emperor but he never really forgives him for removing his chance to kill that dude well hey Um, my dad's stronger than your dad (laughs) yeah look Um, next ones are the Thousand Sons they are all about psychic warfare so Magnus is their Primarch and he is the most powerful psyker after the Emperor Magnus was destined to sit upon the Golden Throne originally, and he was the one that was meant to control the warp travel, and he was going to be a bit more... He he was basically meant to be the one that sat on the Golden Throne. Um, But instead, things went wrong. Um, He is the personification of knowledge, basically. Um, The next one is the Lunar Wolves, not to be confused with the Space Wolves. Um, Shut the fuck up, what? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So the Lunar Wolves are the direct head... There's there's, there's too many of these fucks. We're nearly done. They are the direct head hunting assaults. Their whole idea is a direct strike to kill the General of Nami and then let the rest of the army crumble around it. They are similar to the Space Wolves, but different. The Space Wolves are all about just complete frontal assault shock warfare. These guys are all about going for the head sort of thing. Uh, Their Primarch is a man named Horus, um, who is all about military leadership and charisma. Horus, like what I met him. He's good. You may have heard me mention earlier the Horus Heresy. I did! That's why I know that name. This is Horus. We will get back to him in a sec. The next, we've got four more to run through real quick. So the word bear, uh, world bearers are the next one. Much like the Ultramarines, they specialize in rebuilding destroyed, um, dis- rebuilding destroyed planning. However, unlike the Ultramarines, uh, they are much more religious in their approach and used um, to preach God Emperor propaganda. Um, Lorgar is their Primarch, and he weirdly physically resembles the Emperor the most out of all the sons. Um, Lorgar represents faith and devotion to a cause. At first, the Emperor, later, a different master. Um, you can see where I'm going. The Salamanders, one of the last ones, they are about mechanical warfare, very similar to the Iron Hands, but more with a flamethrower and fire focus to them. Um, Vulcan was the master of forges. He represents the knowledge of weapons. Um, he um, is also like his father before him he is perpetual so he doesn't die very nice um so all of them don't die next well the others couldn't be killed he can't be killed why don't they kill it to the all of them i feel like that's a very key power because really they wanna... didn't know how you mean they, um, they give it to one they can give it to all of them <laughs> yeah but they gave to the one of the late one. ones yeah they the worked it out late <laughs> um the raven guard they are all about strike and fade and assassination sneaking around and surprising their opponents uh corax is the master of this faction so the raven guard led by the primarch corvus corax <laughs> um it's literally raven f- uh latin for like raven bird or some shit hey the writers of 40k are doing a very good funny. job don't be it's mean to funny. them i'm saying half the, um, show and half the jokes you put in i do not get so i'll just <laughs> that's fair um, i don't know latin he, I'll is, be honest. he is the master <laughs> of stealth um, and guerrilla tactics. Um, he quite literally, he kind of Jedi mind tricks people. He's, his stealth comes from kind of like a mini Jedi mind trick in the sense where he like subconsciously, psychically makes people think he's not there. It's weird. Nice. So he's really good at sneaking past people, but robots he can't sneak past. It's a random fun thing that I find amusing. That's great. No, I, I like it. No, it's a, it's in some, like, I've seen it done two ways in different fictions. Like, mm. one is either they like subconsciously like make them look a different way when like passing them and then like they don't think yeah. about it but they're just looking sideways and they don't they don't see them or they like imagine what the hallway would look like without them and they put that in image in their mind yeah. and just imagine they yeah. weren't there 
I think it's something like that. Yeah, exactly. Really, very, very good for stealth missions. Techno fantasy exactly. fun. Um, when the Raven Guard Primarch is found, um, he has just finished leading a successful miners' revolution against their oppressive slave masters and taken over control of a moon. And then he's like, "Well, what do I do now?" And then the Emperor showed up. Um, the <laughs> last one, the Twentieth Legion, um, are the Alpha Legion because why not make the last one the Alpha Legion? Um, they are all about infiltration, counter-warfare, and intelligence. Um, they are led by Alpharius, Omegon, um, or is it a pair of twins named Alpharius and Omegon? We actually don't know. Hell yeah! Um, they represent sabotage and intelligence. And because of this, there is kind of an ongoing meme that Alpharius doesn't actually stand out from the rest of his legion um so there'll kind of be a bit of a meme where like a random alpha legion person will be like I am Alpharius no I am Alpharius no I am Alpharius and no one really knows who the real Alpharius is which has thus given rise to the belief that he died and they're trying to cover it up that he didn't die and that he has a twin it's a whole it's It's counterintelligence baby it's what they're all about it is we're all Alpharius you know what I mean Exactly. They're all Sigma. Um, They're all Sigma males. It's all good. So that is the 20 Legions. Um, And as you may notice, some of them are a little bit more corrupted and dangerous sounding than others. But you also may notice that there's a lot of double ups where two people kind of represent similar things. Or the exact same thing. (laughs) I I can't differentiate them. Um, And that is partly, in a weird way, ties up with what comes next, which we will talk about next time I do a 40k episode, and that is the Horus Heresy. And that is where, after completing his Great Crusade and re-establishing the Imperium of Man, before he could get to his lovely um, utopian plans, um, Horus betrayed his father, the Emperor, to the Chaos Gods, and started a civil war where nine of the 18 Primarchs turned against the other nine. And a massive civil war broke out. Based, based, Excellent. based, based. Excellent. Yes. But otherwise, that, that, that that's 40k. That's fun. <laughs> that intro. I'm, I, this, this, see, the good thing about the, about, um, Brandy Sandy is like, after you finished an episode, I could sort of throw out most of the information to be ready for the next one. Like I had empty <laughs> space. Cause they're only like parking references with this. It's just going to keep getting worse. This you see why I was so resistant to this thing every time Matt was like, Oh, we sh- you should do forty K. Popular franchise. You should do 40K. I wasn't expecting you to take on the entire forty K. I was expecting to like tell us like about one little thing. <laughs> I can't do a thing. You have to give this groundwork, otherwise the rest of it. <laughs> you can just make tell sense. us about this one guy and this one planet is having some fun, you know what I mean? Hey, he's fucking around out of here. I just love I do love how there's just so many Sigma males walking around in this world. There's there just is. so many big Chad yeah. guys just be like, I'm the most Chad, no, I'm the most Chad. Yeah. and they're all yeah, dying once, <laughs> um, once again it's funny because they like the chad society and it crumbles and falls apart <laughs> <laughs> they're all the big boys worshiping an even bigger boy i it's just it's, yes. it's, it's just gym it's just all the gym you know it is it heaven is. no it's the locker room we're going there after the game the game being <laughs> my life of warfare I do like to imagine, I'm imagining, yeah. I don't care what it is really, I'm imagining their churches in this world is just the gym. The churches, they go, they just lift mm. weights, and they pray, and they think about the emperor. And the I'm just imagining the, yeah. pro- the priest stands up in front of them and goes, boys, and the congregation goes, boys, 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 boys. boys, 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 boys. <laughs> oh, God, man. <yeah. laughs> Fuck. It's what happens. Uh, I'm loving this. I, uh, yeah. I like, 
I do love how the armor is just so ridiculously big. <laughs> it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. imagery of the armor is just so many levels and oh, it's crazy. Yeah, yep. it's amazing. Also, I feel sorry for the guy with wings because he had to he had to get a p- particular special set made every time he has to wear clothes. Like poor yeah. dude. Yeah, poor dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Punch two holes in the back of a shirt. It's done. I don't think it'd be that easy. The wings are different, and then just shirt. It'd be annoying as hell. Yeah, basically the whole back of your shirt would have to be not be there. Really annoying. Really annoying. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, that's the episode for today, and we've already gone to two hours, so we will wrap. I will make us cut it off here. Excellent. Um, f- as Matt usually says, but haha, fuck you, I'm here. Um, follow us on living at Living by the Law on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, and you can find us on Patreon, where you can give us money to watch videos of our beautiful faces. <laughs> well, also, fun, and also on youtube now and also on youtube and a fun fact a fun thing a fun fact as well i'd like to say i think that if you leave us a review on itunes or spotify the number of stars is the number of organs you're getting replaced <laughs> better ones it's, the number of organs you're getting added actually none of them get replaced they're, like that's they so cool they don't replace them they're like hey it's already working we might as well just put more in don't it's, worry about it it's yeah, the I mean, number of new organs work, you get it, right? and the number yeah. of chads if you get you, one you, you get the multi-lung that's it that's all you get five <laughs> you get in the full sweet baby yeah, <laughs> you also oh, somehow man. get bigger and bigger the more stars you write the bigger the the bigger the man <laughs> the bigger the chad yeah. The bigger, the bigger the they, the them, the bigger the woman the you are. The you were raised by. The bigger the any gender you are. The more, the more legions will follow you in your great crusade. Excellent. Okay. We do not, do not make a crusade. Do not start a crusade. Crusade not, in our name. No, don't When I am gone from this earth, I want this podcast to be my church, my live, bastion, my Bible. Live Find by the law. my scripture, my children. Live by the law. Do not crusade by it, please. <laughs> but do tell your friends. The crusade is real. Yes. That's the crusade you should go on. <laughs> yes. Crusading to tell your friends about this podcast. Oh, uh, well, thank you so uh, much, everyone. And, uh... May the Emperor be in your dreams. Good night. Yes. And may he be by your side in the mornings to to eat some breakfast with you. And remember to burn the heretic. Good morning. Oh no, what the fuck? (laughs) 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 All the surgical stuff. No, 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 no. no. All the surgical stuff fucking reminded me of the fact. I did a doctor's appointment the other day. Doctor was like, hey, there's some less breathing on your lower right side. That's fine though, because they did take a bit of lung from there. I'm like, Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they took what? Yeah. They didn't even tell you they took coffee. Out. They didn't tell me. They were just like, yeah, we just oh, really? took the infection off. And then the doctor oh. was like, oh, no, they took a bit. I'm like, huh? It sounds like you really <laughs> need to get a third lung, man. Oh, yeah. I do like yeah, the yeah, multi-lung it. isn't described as a lung. It's described as lungs. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Living by the Law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review, tell your friends, and if you're feeling extra generous, become an official lawkeeper by joining our Patreon today. Follow us on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Living by the Law. All links are in the description, and thank you in advance. We have been, and always will be, Living by the Law. Thank you for your company, and good night. <laughs>